Hey, sports fans, you're tuned into the Emerald City Fandom Podcast. We're Seattle fans talking Seattle sports. We're your hosts. I'm Connor Fredrickson. And I'm Sam Hoganson. You ready to get started? Let's send it. Welcome back to the pod, folks. This is episode 25, and we have a lot of football talk today. We're talking both Seahawks and Huskies. Joining us today, as he has so much lately, is Justin Geiger from Over the Top EPL. Justin, how are you this evening? Howdy, boys. Doing well. How are you doing? Doing good. Doing good. Yeah. Uh, It's, you know, light out later and feel like I can get more done in the evening. I know we were just kind of talking about that and whiskey's Oscar, treating me. Oscar the Grouch isn't happy about that though. Who? You. Me? Oh, yeah, <laughs> we're going to start this already, are we? Where's your, where's your goddamn smoothie? No smoothie Drinking today. Drinking a beer. Okay, all right. Just a beer. We got a Longbird awesome. Island lager today um, to skip into that just because oh, I am going to Kona in May, so we're pretty on a trip. Oh, nice. nice. Awesome. That are sounds gonna, fun. Are you going to check out the brewery? I think so. Yeah, I think that'd be fun. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. They have like so many other like varieties and flavors and stuff down there too. Like so many like, you know, like special release stuff that you can't get anywhere else. So you should definitely check oh, it out. I'm sure. Samantha might have to drive me back for sure after all that, <laughs> but we'll see how it goes. What do you I, guys I think that on? should happen. Connor, what are you yeah, going on? Oh, oh, okay. Jeez. All right. Oh, Who's man. Going? <laughs> 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 Who's going? You go. I'll go. You go. I'll go. Uh, I'm, I'm sipping on a Manhattan right now made with uh, my company's jammy vermouth. So pretty, pretty tasty right now. And then I also have a super fuzz to uh, nightcap, you know, after, after the Manhattan's gone. So, cause it's Very almost nice. gone now. How about you, Sam? Yeah. I'm just working on some Jack Daniels. You know how it goes. Mm. Back to the old, you know, original OG. I I need to get into, you know, original form here on this well, podcast. We're talking football today, so I mean, that's I know when I'm this, feeling that's, pretty, pretty, pretty psyched about it. That's where this that's where this podcast started, and and that's where it's going today. So, um, yeah, we got. A lot of Seahawks and updates, Seahawks and Husky updates to get to today. And we'll start it off with Seahawks updates and, you know, free agency. After kind of a slow start to, to free agency, the Seahawks have made a flurry of moves over the past week or so. Um, and let's start with some of the losses, though, that they, they did have. A lot of Seahawks, former Seahawks now, have signed with other teams um, I'll just list them off here. And if you guys had any thoughts on any of these guys, um, if not, I'll bring, I'll bring some up, but first one wide receiver, Philip Dorsett, someone that we didn't even see play last year. He was injured all year. Um, I don't even remember where he signed, but he's, he gone. So yeah, you know, sign your, uh, running back Carlos Hyde and cornerback Shaquille Griffin, both signed with the Jags. Um, and I believe Daryl Bever- Daryl Bevel is their offensive coordinator, right? And they That's had correct. some other they have some other um, Seahawk tie, I think, down there too. Um, but anyway, 
we'll we'll, we'll miss both of those guys in a, in a, in a sense. I have a little bit more to say about that, I guess, but I'll save it for for a second here. Uh, wide receiver David Moore went to Carolina. Um, he was our wide receiver three, but I mean he's kind of the epitome to me of a replaceable player. I don't know how you guys feel about that, but that's my my sense of him. And then tight end Jacob Hollister uh, was signed by the Bills. So those are the guys that we've lost in free agency so far, um, and possibly more to come. But those are the those are kind of the top names at this point. Anyone from that group stand out to you guys? Um, anyone that you're really going to miss? Anyone that, that you're excited to see go and that we didn't re-sign? Um, yeah, yeah I mean, thoughts. before we signed, and we'll get to this later in the podcast, but before we signed to this cornerback, I was a little bummed with Shaquille Griffin going, even though it was pretty expected, I think, especially between us three, that he was yeah. going to leave and probably for Jacksonville just – given where he grew up and where he went to college and such. So I think for the defense, it's a loss, but you know, it might, we might be okay after who we signed and everything. I think Dorsett and Moore completely useless. Goodbye. See you later. Like Dorsett didn't even play in David Moore. I mean, there are so many receivers that are at his quality or above. So to his credit, he had some pretty spectacular, like single catches just like, in games. Like, I mean, he would, he was good for like a catch every four games or something like that. That was just ridiculous. This is but, true. But, but I, wanna, I mean, he was, he was, he was not the model of consistency that you want from that wide receiver three. No. I agree with you there. And he's going to Carolina where he's going to play with DJ more. So we'll see how many fantasy mishaps. <laughs> good luck to your people. Oh my Lord. Uh, anyway, that's funny. Jacob Hollister, I think is an average to below average tight end. So I think I'm, I'm not going to miss him. Russell loved throwing in the ball, though. He did, Fair true. Enough. And Hollister made some good catches. So, I mean, overall, I don't think we'll miss. I liked Hyde as a backup, but we have four running backs on the roster already. Mm-hmm. And so to pay three-plus million for Hyde probably isn't necessary given the cap space. So I think Shaq Griffin is the only one we'll miss tactically. But given his price tag, I think it was probably a wise move not to sign him. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly my thought, too. I think Shaq is a good corner. I think he'll continue to be a good corner and it would have been great to see him, you know, thrive a bit more here, but there's just no way with where we're spending our money on the offensive side of the ball. Russ, we're just not going to be able to afford $13.3 million for a cornerback. So Shaq's Shaq's down in Jacksonville, like you said, that makes sense, but I think we'll miss him. And again, you know, I don't need to go through and repeat it. I don't, I'm not, you know, losing sleep over any of these guys. I think Hollister was a reliable pass catching tight end, but I think he was a liability in the run game. And we just, you know, I like the tight end. We got a lot better. There's your segue, Connor. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, we're going to talk about the re-signings first. And my segue was going to be that I, the one that I was surprised was I thought we might bring Carlos Hyde back, but that's because I didn't think we were going to get Chris Carson back. Oh, I love it. I so, love it. yeah, I mean, I think that's, I mean, that's the, that's probably the biggest name of these, but I'll go through these re-signings and, and the guys that we tendered um, with, with like draft picks. Um, so let's go through the re-signings uh, names are defensive tackle Puna Ford. We actually, uh, like re-signed him to like a multi-year deal though it was like a two-year deal I think that we re-signed him so it wasn't just like 
uh, we were expected to tender him, but we actually re-signed him. So I think that's that was a that was a really good move. I thought uh, same same position with uh, Nick Ballore. He's a fullback, but really a special teams guru more than anything. That's where you see him kind of shine. That dude can actually lay the lumber on special teams when he makes a tackle. So I'm actually kind of fired up to have him back. Um, center Ethan Posick. I'm sure you guys have some thoughts on that. Running back Chris Carson, as I said earlier. Uh, defensive end uh, Benson Mayoa. That was just recent as of yesterday or the day before. And then uh, two offensive linemen were just announced today that we resigned guard Jordan Simmons and tackle Cedric Abwehi. Um so anyone from this group here that you're interested in delving more into, I mean, obviously I think Chris Carson's the biggest name that stands out the most, but there's a couple other guys that I think probably deserve some, some shout outs here as well. Sam, I'll let you go first this time. Yeah. I'm, I'm super pumped about Chris Carson. I think, $5 million a year for two year contract. Isn't bad. I, you know, I think he, if he's healthy, I think he's a top five running back in the league. And again, that's the big caveat is like, he just really hasn't proven his ability to stay healthy for the entirety of a season, but I really like his running style. It totally fits the identity of the team that Pete Carroll wants the Seahawks to be, I think he really helps set the tone in a lot of ways. And so getting him back is really something I'm excited about, not only because I, I enjoy him as a player myself, but if not Chris Carson, like who's your running back going to be in 2021? Like there's just not, we went through a list of potential free agents and they're all, older more washed up they're not going to run with the same physical brand that he does and so that's where i think i was thinking we weren't able to get carson back we might roll with you know rashad penny and maybe go into the draft and try to find someone but getting your main guy back and chris carson i think is a big boost to the offense and i think you know justin might come in and say like oh yeah you shouldn't be investing in running backs or whatever (laughs) and in a lot of ways he'd be correct but I think if you're Justin who probably wants to like hand the keys over to the Russell Wilson here I think it would be a really convenient but incorrect assumption that us spending the money to re-sign Chris Carson is like seen as a negative by Russell because it means we're going to run the ball more or whatever I think it's a huge positive in Russell's mind. I think Russ really trusts Chris Carson and pass protection, passing situations. I think that is, you know, as we're talking about Russ's off season antics, I think that bringing Chris Carson back is something that Russell would see as a positive and would be in favor for. So that's, that's the one that sticks out to me. Justin, your rebuttal. I don't know why this is a debate. Um, look, I was just at, assuming. At the end of the day, I'd much rather have Carson than Fournette, right? Which were the two that we were rumored with the most. So let's start yeah. there. I'm glad it's Carson yes. and not Fournette. Yeah. With that said, um, spending on running backs, especially in a limited cap space, does give me the eebie-jeebies a little bit. Um, 
However, so, like we didn't break the bank on him. However, I was going to say the contract is not as bad as I probably would have thought it would have been for Carson. Um, well, and yeah, we should we should talk about this because, like, I mean, their first report is that it's like three years, twenty four and a half million or something like that. But right? it's really not because it's, not it's a two year fourteen, and if you only do one year, we can cut him, and it's only a one year five and a half million contract. Right. So at the end of the day, it's not. It's not going to kill the Seahawks, I think, is what I'm looking for. So well, I don't hate it. Yeah, especially this year. I think the cap hit's only like $2 million or something like that for him. So, um, Yeah, $2.5 million cap hit in 2021. Yeah, so I, I mean, I think, I think that they actually – they played this perfectly with Carson, and the market came back to them a bit on this. And I think the biggest thing that I was surprised by is that Carson – like wanted to come back like I, I it felt like from a lot of his press conferences and stuff like that that like bridges and kind of been burned when he was asked about his contract and stuff like that and if he wants to stay with the seahawks he was very kind of ho-hum about it and really didn't want to say much and very kind of short with the media so i was i was surprised that carson signed a deal with seattle like even if i feel like someone else would have given him the same contract and or at least close to it and I feel like I I thought I, w- I would have thought that he would have signed somewhere else, but you know, pleasant surprise to be able to get your running back one back on an affordable contract. Obviously, when he's healthy, he's a top five running back in the league. That's the that's um, the big if, Connor. Like if if he's oh, it's, healthy, it's this makes the if. contract probably worth it, and that's that's you know. But I mean, it's a predictable part of this. Oh yeah, so. for sure. And I mean, I think they they really tried to limit his usage last year, which would. I, probably a little bit too much i thought um as far as just like snap counts more than anything i'm not just saying running the ball i'm saying like he's a he's a underrated catcher out of the backfield like i mean he's a good target for us out of the backfield on as, as like an underneath option um and they i mean with shane waldron coming in like they could design some cool stuff i think in the screen game with chris carson um i remember that first game against atlanta he scored on a touchdown on a screen pass to the left side. I think it was like, it was a really cool, cool, cool design play. Um, and I could see a lot of plays like that in Shane Waldron's offense. I don't know if you guys remember that specific play, but it, I think it was the second touchdown of the year. It was I kind of remember. like a, it was kind of like a misdirection to the right and then kind of a screen pass off to the left side. And Carson had like two blockers in front of him and basically just galloped to the end zone. Um so I, I think he's really good in those types of situations. And like Sam said, I think he's also a, a formidable pass, pass protector as well. Um, this so. is all true. This is all true. I think the one thing that this does say is like, why are you spending a first round pick on Rashad Penny? Uh, you know, like it's just absolutely, a absolutely pick yeah. on a running back. It just makes me mad looking back, absolutely. but you know, we gotta, we gotta move in. We gotta look into the future. Um, yeah. We, we should do a draft special at some point before oh, the will. draft comes up and we just will. highlight how poorly we've drafted in general. <laughs> I mean, that being in the earlier the... rounds, especially, but yes. Yeah. yeah. First round, especially second round, we have actually done pretty well past few years. Um, Other free agent or other players that we've, I have similar thoughts. Ethan Posick, I was really, as I said last week's episode, I was hoping if we had to spend money on one position, it would have been center to upgrade that because Ethan Posick's grading Mm -hmm. on most things last year was pretty near the bottom of the centers. 
And so I hope, you know, we were talking before the show and maybe hopefully the Seahawks do something in the draft, but I'm really hoping we have another plan besides him as starting center. Yeah, I think we need another plan besides Ethan Posich. I don't think he's getting the job done. I don't know if you trade or draft, whatever it might be, but he's not getting the job done. And I was kind of hoping that we'd move on from him. I think, I don't know if we're going to do that though, just because paying him $3 million to be a backup lineman. I don't know. To be fair, you can play pretty much. You can any. play guard. Yeah. He well, can. he can play, he can play any position on. You think he can line. play tackle? He could play, he could probably play right tackle. Not well. <laughs> no. But <I'm... laughs> I could play tackle, Connor. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Fair point. No, but I mean, um, I mean, I think they 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 brought back Cedric Oblahi to be their main backup tackle. But like, if they were hurting for like a, you know, third or fourth string tackle, Ethan Posick could play that as well. But he can play both guard positions and center for sure. He's played he's played all of those before. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, I. I'd say the only other one on here that really stands out to me that I'm pumped about is Puna Ford. Yeah. I think he's a mm-hmm. solid rotational D lineman. Just, he's a starter, dude. He's not just a rotational guy. I mean, he starts. Yeah. I don't know that I see him as like a long term starting D lineman. Really? Why not? I don't know. Maybe I'm just biased because he's short. I don't know. Short but long arms. Yeah. I love, I love me some Puna. I think he's been awesome. To quote but, Evan Hill, I love my big poo. I love my big poo. Yeah. So I'm happy we got him back. I think he's – and I just like the way that he plays. He's one of the more enthusiastic, energetic yep. guys on the defense when he gets back there and makes a play. He, not quite the Brandon Meebane belly roll, but maybe someday. Oh, well, he, he kind of has something roll. similar, though. I mean, he does the little poo bear kind of like belly, like, like just like belly rub. Yeah, rub. <laughs> it wasn't a belly roll, but it was a belly rub. So, yeah, Um, I really like Puna. I, th- I mean, I think that's a smart deal for the Seahawks, too. Um, It obviously gets like an undrafted guy that was on like very little salary paid a bit. Um, And he, you get a little bit of club control for a couple of years for a, a really solid player for you, too. Um. So, and I, I think the cap hit this year is like one mil or something like that for him. So it's very minimal, um, even though I think it's like a two-year up to $14 million deal or something like that. So, um, I mean, Puna was one of the highest graded, I think, by PFF run, run grade defenders in the NFL over the past, you know, year, year and a half. So um, I don't have that exact stat in front of me, but I know that he's up there. So um, to to be able to keep control of him on, on an affordable contract and a minimal cap hit this year, especially, I think is a, is a good, is a good signing. I also think tendering Ryan Neal is a good move. I think mm-hmm. he, mm-hmm. you know, with Jamal Adams kind of in and out in the mid part of the season, I think he filled in pretty admirably with no expectations and young guy obviously made some mistakes, but Got a couple of interceptions. He's a really physical presence back there as well. Yep. Really good special teamer. So I think you got to have those glue type guys. And I think I forget, is he a Portland State guy? 
I want to say question. I want to say he is. I can't remember, but I know he came from a small school. I thought, and so he's kind of got a chip on his shoulder type mentality. Southern Southern Illinois. Southern Illinois. Yeah. I feel like there oh, is I'm, someone like in the I was thinking of that... uh, Shed. Yes, Deshaun Shed. Have, yeah, yeah, he was from Portland State. Which we that a little news about him. I think we hired him like as a coach for yeah, the kinds of backs. So, yeah, yeah. Cool. Kind of cool. He was the always guy. a he was always a player's favorite. So cool to have yeah. him back. Ryan Neal kind of reminds me of him a little bit. Maybe yeah. because they, they both wore number thirty five. I think I don't know. Maybe that's it. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably. <laughs> there you go. Uh, <laughs> I think you could make the same argument though for Brian Monet. Like, I think that's a, that's a really good tender as well. Um, I agree. Someone that, that played, it probably he was, was very hurt. Wasn't he this past year? He played a lot. He played quite a bit. I mean, he, I mean, he was, I, he I guess was he was like on and off the active roster though. Wasn't he? I don't know about that. Yeah, maybe. But like when he played, he was good. That's all I know. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm just here making shit up now. So don't listen to me. <laughs> yeah, Buna Ford's not a starter, I guess. So I don't yeah. know. We'll see. Yeah, it looks like Brian Monet played in nine games. Okay. Yeah. That sounds about right. But I mean, a, a good like depth defensive totally. tackle. It's, it's someone that we, something that we needed to make sure was addressed in this offseason is, is a depth signing there. So, um, Benson Mayoa. I just want to like comment on that. I thought, I thought he played pretty well towards the end of last year. And I think some of that was attributed to Carlos Dunlap, but at the same time, like something happened though, something clicked for him like those last three games. Cause like Dunlap had been on the field for like four or five games and Benson Mayo was still playing like ass. So I don't know if it just like kind of clicked for him. If he just, you know, had a good few games or if there was something there, um, but um, I thought, I mean, I, th- I think that's that he's a good rotational pass rusher, you know, like I think he's always been good at that. I think when he really struggled last year is when he was relied upon as the primary Leo rush end. So, so long as he's not in that role, golden, totally fine with having him, him in the, in the rotation. So let's talk a little bit about the, the new additions though. I think this exciting. is where it gets a little bit more exciting. So um i'll list them off here and then i think we'll we'll probably go into depth about each each of these guys there's only four of them so far but down to be more i'm sure um start with cornerback akella witherspoon from the 49ers love stealing a player from the 49ers it worked out pretty well last year with dj reed in that cornerback position so we get another another cornerback in the fold that used to play uh down in santa clara tight end gerald everett another uh division foe i guess x division foe um he was on the rams uh comes to the seahawks with shane waltron's offense and experience in that type of offense and to be honest uh, i think a, a signing that all of us somewhat expected like i think that was kind of the top name on our tight ends list i think all three of us mm-hmm. so um that one makes a lot of sense defensive and carry hider that's a really interesting one and we'll talk about that um in in a few minutes here and then i think the the biggest one though was the trade that they that they pulled off uh, they they traded one of their four draft picks their fifth round pick <laughs> for uh, guard gabe jackson from the raiders um and 
something that, you know, seemed to fire up Russell. Like, I, I mean, I, I, Gabe Jackson has consistently been one of the better pass protecting guards in the league. Um, and he's a big dude. Um, and he's a little bit younger. Uh, we've been having kind of health problems at that left guard position, especially with Mikey Apati being kind of the starter there. So hopefully someone that can be a little bit more reliable and obviously just the upside, I think is a lot higher with someone like Gabe Jackson, but let's start back at the beginning of the list. Akella Witherspoon. I know Sam, you're really, really high on this guy and we're both pretty familiar with him. I guess all three of us are pretty familiar with him watching him in college as well down at Colorado. Um, and especially with when, when both Colorado and UW were in the Pac-12 championship game and both were good teams, uh, watched a lot of him that, that year. So what do you, what are your thoughts about this signing? It's a one year, $4 million kind of like prove it type deal. Um, so, I mean, it, let me just put this into context, context before you can, you, you talk a little bit more about Akella Witherspoon, but we signed him for one, one year for $4 million, whereas Shaquille Griffin signed three years for nearly 45 million. So a little bit of a difference in, in salary there. Listen, Howie, that's a deal. I'm taking that deal all day long. <laughs> Akella Witherspoon is a big, long, lanky corner, 6'2", 6'3", 200 pounds. And again, what Connor alluded to, really got familiar with him when he was playing for the Colorado Buffaloes. And I think he's a perfect fit for backfilling Shaq Griffin's spot. I think he's going to be a really good press and bail, bump and run type corner that we've been looking for. You know, I think Shaq Griffin was really a, a good at it, but he also, I don't think. That wasn't his game, honestly. It wasn't really his game, and we have been kind of, I, I hate to say this because I do think Griffin's a really good corner, and I don't want to slander him in any way, but we haven't really had a super physical presence at corner since Sherm left, mm-hmm. and which is kind of interesting because we might have an that's another talking point for we'll, later, but we'll talk about that a little bit later. Yeah. Um, I really like Witherspoon. I like this addition a lot. I think on a prove it deal, it seems from an outside perspective that it'll be a really good fit for his playing style. We've always kind of had a way with defensive backs. That's kind of Pete Carroll's go-to. Mm-hmm. So I think he'll have a surprisingly good year. I'm really high on, on Witherspoon. Yeah, just I don't have much thoughts? to add. I, I'm not so sure. I'll just put it this way. I'm not so sure it's a big downgrade or a downgrade at all from what we lost. I don't think I'd it agree. is at all. Um, but I agree with everything Sam said. I'll move on. I mean, we just went, you know, dumpster diving into the NFC West, NFC West bargain bin here. We really right? did. <laughs> we did. <laughs> but uh, Gerald Everett, I love the signing. I mean, we talked about this last week about tight ends that we wanted and he fits with Waldron's offense. And I think his playmaking ability and what he'll do for this team is pretty important. I don't think we've had a tight end this good for a while. And I mean, that says something we've had a bunch of average tight ends where I think he's probably a good tight end. So I think that can do a lot for our offense and maybe be a, you know, we don't have a wide receiver three yet, but can be a third target for Russell Wilson outside of DK and Tyler Lockett. 
Yeah. yeah and if, if, if Disley stays healthy, that's a pretty damn good one too. Yeah. I really hope he stays healthy. I mean, yes. he needs to for his well, NFL no, to be fair, each other so well too. To be fair, Disley stayed healthy last year, but I think he's, he was still coming back from injury. Right. Like, I don't think he's, he wasn't fully back at full speed the whole year. So hopefully, you know, I, those, was it an Achilles or an ACL that he had? Achilles. Yeah. So, and I mean, either one, those take a couple of years really to get back to your true form. So I'm, yeah. I'm expecting a bump up from Disley this year as well. And if that's the case, that's, I mean, you, and you can expect a lot of two tight end set. That's, that's very mm-hmm. common in the Rams offense. So yeah, Shane with, uh, Higby, right. Higby and Everett right. run a lot. Who's, yeah. I mean, he's a shit human being just, but we won't go into that, but yeah. Tyler Higby's a ass face. Um, that's all i have to say about that just google his name listeners and you'll get what i'm talking about um yeah gerald everett great signing though i i think we're all on the same page with with that one um do you have any any you know hesitation with the cost it's a little bit not i wouldn't say expensive but i mean basically basically what we played paid greg olsen last year it's and obviously- pricey but i'd rather have everett than olsen so oh, I, oh I, I, yeah not even close so I, I i don't mind the number yeah yeah i think the, no, the upside's way happy. higher yeah i'm really happy with it i think for people that aren't super familiar with gerald everett what you're basically getting is one of the elite athletes at the position mm-hmm. i mean he is a dynamic pass catcher and he still has a physical presence. Like this isn't a Jimmy Graham experiment. We're like, Hey, try to block. And he's like, no, I don't, I don't, my, I might hurt my fingernails type situation. Gerald Everett's going to be a really good pass catcher. I think of all the signings, this one really has to get Russell excited to have another big threatening target down the middle of the field mismatch nightmare yeah um he killed us about this oh destroyed us yeah yeah Yeah. i mean not that our defense was very good (laughs) especially against tight ends yeah yeah and we've always struggled against tight ends that's (laughs) true so uh this last one here i i'm i'm pretty excited about this last guy i don't know about you guys but carrie Hyder um is just one of those like you probably don't know his name but high effort guy 29 years old and he's kind of bounced around the league a little bit, but had a really, really productive year for the 49ers last year at eight and a half sacks. He was their top sack man, I think. Um, and he, he might not be like that freak athletic guy, but God, that guy just like is, he's just tenacious. Like he, he doesn't quit on the play. He, and I mean, I, I think a lot of the direct comparison that a lot of people have have tied to him is Michael Bennett because he's, yeah. he's, he's going to play five technique, which is that same, same position that Michael Bennett played. So for those of you listening, you probably recognize that name, similar type player, but I think even a little bit more high effort than Michael Bennett even was. Um, and I think the upside could be even higher. It's, it's a two year, three, three year deal, three year deal. Right. I think it's three years, 16 and a half. Yeah, um, that's right. But I think there again is like a voidable year. They did a lot of like these void year type contracts, like at the Everybody end, kind of a is. fake year. Yeah, con- to, yeah. And that basically what that does without going into it too deeply is just it evens out and spreads out the cap hit um, for for the Hawks this year in a in a year that the cap went down. So they want to take as less as little of a cap hit this year on a lot of these signings as possible because the cap 
in all likelihood, assuming that the pandemic is, you know, starting to kind of run its course and things are going to get a little bit more back to normal. Um, that cap is going to go back up with fans and seats and stuff again. So, um, but yeah, I, I'm really high on Kerry Hyder. I, I didn't really know him until I had done a little bit of research. I had, I did know his name though, before, before we signed him. Um, Brian Baldinger had a really good breakdown. I don't know if you guys saw that video. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so if you guys haven't listeners go and look at Brian Baldinger on, on Twitter. And he had a great breakdown of Kerry Hyder the other day. Um, I think it was like a couple of weeks ago, even um, that he did that breakdown and he's really high on Kerry Hyder too. And he, he tends to have, a, he's got good football knowledge more than us. So. Yeah. Especially in the trenches. That's his specialty. He's always yeah. like shouting out the big dirty dogs. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I, I'm, Kerry Hyder, I'm I'm with you guys. Like, I honestly didn't even know who he was mm. until the signing was announced. But I mean, stats and production speak for itself, and he's been productive last year. And then he actually had a really good year. With like Detroit, ago, was it 2016 with Detroit? He had eight yeah. sacks. Yep. So I think he was hurt with hurt in 2017, then hurt again, or like didn't play very much with the Cowboys or something like that. So yeah. Um, yeah, again, kind of a guy that's bounced around a little bit, but he's had a couple of really good years and I think there's some upside there and it's, it's not a very expensive contract in, in like reality, it's really like a two year, like six and a half million dollar contract or something like that, I think is what, is what the numbers that I was seeing as far as the breakdown. So it's very low risk. Um, and there's definitely some upside there. Um, yeah. The thing that I like about it too, is that Michael Bennett comparison, the component of that that I think is really important in this is just his versatility. Right. You can bump him inside or outside. He's, you know, in that 270 pound range. So he's yeah. not going to be a quick twitch edge rusher, but he's not 330 hole plugger either. He can kind of play inside or outside. And, yep. you know, given down and distance situations, we can get creative and figure out where you know, mismatch can, can be had there. So I think it's really nice to add a player like that, that I'm not sure that we currently have on our roster. I think the closest that there's two, I mean, they've, they've tried to replace Michael Bennett with and a they couple have, guys. They can't, yeah. yeah. They've, yeah. they've, they tried it with Sheen Green. Hasn't really worked out. Um, he's a, I mean, when he plays to be fair, like he, he's a decent, like pass rusher though. And I think he's more of an edge guy than I, he, I think he gets swallowed sure. up when he gets inside. Yeah. Like yeah, he's almost sure. too long he to be yeah, in there. Yeah, I agree. Um, he's more of a rotational pass rusher, I would say. And then LJ Collier is the, is the other guy that they tried to replace him with. Um, and I mean, obviously he was a train wreck the first year played, right. played more last year and uh, he showed glimpses of some, some good stuff. And I think he's yeah. going to end up being an okay player, but um I think they're hedging their bets on him. And I think Kerry Hyder is, is a day one starter at that five technique is my guess. Yeah, I think so. Yep. Um, before we get to Gabe Jackson, what I want to touch on with these, these three other signings though, is uh, these are smart signings by the Seahawks. Like I, I feel like we've been pretty critical. Uh, at least I think we've openly talked about on this podcast that the Seahawks have been pretty unwise, I think in free agency spending in the past sometimes. 
Um, but these are like three guys that they you, you can tell they had a plan as far as like who they were targeting. Akello Witherspoon's basically a direct replica of of Richard Sherman. Yeah. Um, and you know, you're you're getting him on a prove it deal. Um, and obviously a, a guy that's played in a similar type defense in with the 49ers, Robert Sala, uh, uh, obviously being a Pete Carroll disciple. Um, and learned the game from Sherman. Right. And yeah, exactly. And Sherman mm-hmm. was down in, down in San Francisco. So that's a smart signing. That's it. I mean, that's, that's a good signing. Tight end G- Gerald Everett. We already talked about that. He, was a huge part of the Rams offense last year um, and bringing over Shane Waldron obviously makes sense to have someone that's familiar with that scheme to be able to plug right in at that tight end position and start for you um, and gives Russ obviously a very reliable target over the middle, like you said, Sam. Um, but more than anything, just he's, he's familiar with, with that scheme. I think that's, that's, a, that's another smart signing. And then Kerry Hyder a five technique that I think has been somewhat missing since Michael Bennett left in this defense, as far as just reliability at that position. So I, I, I think that these are, these are really smart signings. That's what stands out to me, I guess, about these, these three, three players. Um, I don't know about about you guys. Um, If you guys have anything else to say, but I just wanted to, I just wanted to at least shout that out before we moved on to Gabe Jackson. I mean, I agree. I I really like all three signings. We're not vastly overpaying for anyone like we have in the past or going for splashy signings, but I think they're all functional and they're all day one starters. Right. And so that's really important for this team. Are they, are we making this team better with the current situation? I think we've done that so far. Yep. Yep. For sure. So let's talk about Gabe Jackson. Um, I should pull up like his, PFF grades and stuff, but um, uh, he played for the Raiders, obviously. I think he was drafted by the Raiders Um, and played his college ball at Mississippi State. Big dude. Um, Like, big. Like, James Carpenter big um, at at that left guard position. And you know, a, a huge upgrade though. I, I think at least as far as a pass protection standpoint, like his, I think his lowest graded pass protection year was either last year or the year before. Um, and I think he struggled with injuries, whatever year that was. Um, and it was like a 66 or 68 or something like that. And to give you a little bit of context, like the, I, I know that the, the, highest graded guard i think that we had in pass protection last year was i think it, i think it might have been jordan simmons and it was like a 58 or 59 or something like that so i mean that's that's a backup guard too that you're talking about there. yeah our mm-hmm. start i mean damian lewis wasn't even that good in pass protection last year you can expect that from a rookie i think a rookie guard but I think he's going to get better. Um, and I, I think overall, I think he's, he's someone to be excited about, but Mikey body was really, really bad last year and more than anything just wasn't reliable because he wasn't healthy. Um, and even when he was on the field, I don't think he was really that healthy. 
struggling with back injuries is just no bueno when you're trying to win the line of scrimmage. Um, So I think getting someone that's a little bit younger in there um, and someone that has a lot of upside and has, he's, he's made like one or two pro bowls, I think too, before. Um, So he's obviously, he's done it before. Um, I'm excited about the signing and it's, it's, it's honestly a pretty, it's a pretty uh, affordable contract. I'd say that we're, that we're taking on from, from the Raiders. I think it's like basically 10, 10 million a year for two, two more years or something like that. Um, which if you look out at the market, I mean, the guys that we were talking about getting that guard were what Joe Thune, who ended up signing for 16, 17, 18 million dollars a year, something like a that. A lot. Yeah. yeah. And the other guy, I think that they targeted first is what I've what I have gathered is that they were targeting Kevin Zeitler. And they actually what I've heard is they offered more than Baltimore did. Um and he wanted to stay on the East Coast though. And I think that, I mean, that was a pretty affordable contract that, that Baltimore signed him for. I think it was like $7 million, $8 million a year or something like that. Um, but I think they, they quickly, they got kind of thrown for a loop, I think, with the Kevin Zeitler thing, especially because Kevin Zeitler played with Russell Wilson at NC State. So that's, uh, that was a huge thing too, is they just like, there's familiarity there and they really targeted him. When he went off to Baltimore, that kind of screwed up their plans, I think, at guard. And they were planning on targeting Gabe Jackson. And I don't know if you guys knew this, but the Raiders had leaked that they were going to release Gabe Jackson and then ended up not releasing him to then trade him to the Seahawks for a fifth round pick. So it took probably a little bit more than the Seahawks were wanting to spend at that, that position, but they ended up with a guy. I think that definitely is an upgrade at that position. Sorry. I kind of ranted there, but. Oh, I mean, for sure, Connor. I mean, you potty retired. We can argue if he was good or not. But at the end of the day, we did not have a good person to fill that position Mm -hmm. and needed to to upgrade this offensive line. And Gabe Jackson is definitely a really solid player. And at cap hits of nine and a half million over the next two years, like that is not going to hurt the Seahawks too much. And it gives us much needed offensive line help. Well said. You want to know an interesting stat? What's that? In his rookie year in Oakland, he was targeted on two passes. And give him some credit. He caught both of them. But a total of negative five yards. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of want to go try to dig up those plays and see what happened. There's another another good stat here. I'm going to try to pull it up on Twitter here. Is he a lateral? I don't know, like end of play. I'm not sure where he just ran the ran the wrong way. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if it was like we... a deflected pass or something like oh, that. And then he ended up just catching it and yeah. it was like in the backfield. That's happened to rest Probably. a few times before. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. that has. The one thing that does stand out looking at his stats to me is he's been available, which mm-hmm. I think, you yep. know, citing the person he's replacing being Ayapati, obviously longer in the tooth and dealing with his own injury issues it'll be nice to get someone into that position that's at least proven to be reliable over the past handful of years. I think. Yeah. He's out only, of a, he, yeah. Sorry. I, I have a stat in front of you. He's only missed three games. Um, 
in a season once in his career. Yeah. So that was, that was in 2019. So he's, he's been healthy for the most yeah. part. Like you were saying. I think he has played in a hundred out of 110 games over. Yeah. I don't know. Seven years. That's pretty mm-hmm. good for pretty a lineman. Good. The other interesting stat that I had here too, is that he didn't allow a single sack in 2020. Gotta love and, that Russ. And only, only two, two quarterback pressures. GQ Russ four, loves four to hear that. Hits, so G, GQ Russ loves that. So you have Dwayne Brown and Gabe Jackson on the left-hand side. I like it. Pretty good. It's not terrible. I've also heard, though, that they're thinking about, or at least I shouldn't say they're thinking about, I've heard through Jake Heaps is speculating that they might move Gabe Jackson to the right side to be, because he was originally, I think, a right guard, um, but he's been playing left guard. Uh, he can, he can it says play. on pro f- football reference that he played right guard last year is that right okay well then yeah maybe he I don't played know. this last year so he played left guard his first two years that's what it was okay so he originally so he originally played left guard and then he's been a right guard so what okay. they're thinking about possibly doing is keeping him at right guard moving damian lewis to left guard and having the tandem of damian lewis right next to Dwayne brown who can coach him up right like that mm. that's huge with line calls right is being next to someone like that experience like Dwayne Brown's obviously like the alpha male on this offensive line yeah and so having a young rookie next to him like uh, with upside I think could be a good thing and then Gabe Jackson obviously one of the better pass protecting guards in the league next to a, I mean not really a younger guy but Brandon Shell and giving him some help over there that might provide a little bit more balance as far as a pass protection standpoint on the offensive line. So I thought that was an interesting tidbit. I, I don't know if that's actually the case. I mean, I think, I think you look at this just like face value and you're like, Oh, he just plugs into left guard, but you peel back the layers and maybe that's not the case. I'm not sure. it'll It'll be interesting what they do. Yeah. However they line up, this is a beastly offensive line. I mean, they are, Huge. They're pretty big. Shell yeah. is three thirty at yeah, right Shell, tackle. Shell's a huge tackle. Yeah. <laughs> so is Dwayne Brown though too. Dwayne yeah. Brown isn't much smaller. He's like three twenty. Mm-hmm. Damian Lewis three thirty. Gabe Jackson three thirty five. So I mean, it, one of these things among the offensive line is not like the others. And you'd all you'd call all of these guys probably above average at each of their positions, right? At the very least. I mean, Damian Lewis is probably the big biggest question mark there. I don't know. I'm super high on Damian Lewis. I, I think, am too. And I, I think he's going to have tremendous growth from year two, from year one. So, yes. Um, I think probably Brandon Shell is the one that I would question. Yeah, that one's their average. I think Gabe Jackson's legit. Year. Dwayne Brown's yeah. legit. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think the big question, though, is obviously center, right? So, and yeah. I think we, we kind of, kind of talked about it a little bit earlier with, the, Ethan Posick signing um, that we think that might be a draft hedge and that maybe they're targeting someone in the draft and at center Greg Bell thinks there might not even be done in free agency at center. Mm. There's not a lot of guys left, so I don't know who they would really target. And they obviously don't have any kind of draft capital to trade for someone. <laughs> so I don't know what they do there. Um, I think they're going to be pretty patient at this point. 
there might i mean there might be some cap casualties to come though even like after the draft is training camp approaches and maybe they're just being really patient it's a little bit risky to do that but it's it's i mean it's worked out for them in the past with some guys so i guess i'm not convinced i'm not convinced all i'm saying is i'm not convinced that ethan Ethan posick is your day one starter yeah um just looking at who's still available and you got like mike pouncey mike pouncey yeah I mean, he, he's he's been good. He's a little bit on the older side now. Yeah. Um, Joe Looney. Yep. Daniel Kilgore. He is really old, but. I would have thought that they would have brought in Austin Blythe, but now that they signed Posick back, I don't think that that's, I mean, why bring in another like fringe starter guy Yeah. at this point? I think if you're going to address the center position at all at this point, it's going to be a day one starter. Joey Hunt is available. Yeah. Oh man. Look like <laughs> I would not be shocked at all if that's like their, you know, fifth Master option. Master plan. <laughs> and like if all if they strike out on all the others, they just bring back Joey Hunt. Half the yeah. size is the rest of the offensive linemen. He's like yeah, he's like that... he's like Gimli the dwarf. <laughs> really though. Are... Um I did find at it least interesting. Russell will be able to see. That's yeah. true. <laughs> so and once well, so speaking of Russ, so taking a step back like do you think that we've addressed the issues that he brought up enough i mean you're bringing back six of the seven starting offensive linemen really the only different guys gabe jackson at this point and i will say that he see he has seemed to change his tune a little bit on social media he's been pretty fired up about all the signings and stuff like that the C- the seahawks are making at least like on face value he's you know kind of doing the more old school rust thing that we would we would come to expect from him. Um, the one guy that out of like everyone that we've signed or re-signed that he had no comment on, like didn't even address it was, was Ethan Posick. Uh-huh. <laughs> I noticed that too. So I hope they're not done there because I don't think he's that happy about that one. Yeah. I'm not happy about it either. No. Um, but I mean, it, aside from that, are, do you guys think that the Seahawks have done enough to address some of the concerns that Russ had? Um, and do you think that Russ? What do you, What do you think Russ is thinking at this point? Does Russell Wilson own the Seahawks yet? No. Then no, they didn't do enough. Oh man, uh, wow. a voice of reason coming in now. Uh, so <laughs> let's see. I I think it's on the path. I mean, obviously he seems more well. I mean, he wasn't doing saying anything before, so he's more vocal. So that's probably a start. So I think he sees the path and, you know, we're going to make a couple more signings, whether they're a week from now or in June or July or whenever Mm -hmm. they are. So Mm -hmm. I think it's a good news for the Seahawks. And I don't know if this is a segue or not, but that some of the market has cooled off a little bit for some former Seahawks in KJ Wright and Carlos Dunlap as well, where they haven't been signed initially because KJ Wright has said that, he wants to come back to Seattle, but he's ain't taking no hometown discount, right? Um, ain't taking no hometown discount. Right. So that's a direct quote, by the way. I think it is. So <laughs> that's a good thing, though, because if the market isn't there for him and he's, you know, 
that the NFL realizes he's playing less percentage of snaps with his position shift and et cetera. That's a good news for the Seahawks because maybe we can get him cheaper than we thought. Where it's maybe not that a discount. hometown discount starts uh, looking a little, little yeah, bit better. Yeah, <laughs> it's not a discount. It's just it's not a hometown discount. It's a position discount. It's a KJ Wright discount. So yeah. I'm all for the KJ Wright discount. And then Dunlap, I mean, it seems like there has been some communication and there's, you know, both parties are open to it. It's just, can we make the money work? So, I mean, he's obviously proved value last season when he came in to the defensive line and was, you know, our second half star last year. Yeah, that's the surprising one to me. Like, I, it doesn't surprise me that KJ Wright is going to be a second, third, fourth wave free agency signing with mm-hmm. where every hand's up. I don't know, just seeing how well Carlos Dunlap played that second half of the season, I thought that teams would be after him and that he'd be gone by now. But I'm really hopeful that, like you said, Justin, maybe the longer the longer this goes on and the longer he remains a free agent, the better it is for Seattle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure. And I'll add this too, with especially Carlos Dunlap, I don't know if I'm happy with the pass rush that we currently have on the team as is like, if, if, if we added like, I'm happy with these signings, given that we're going to add someone else like a Dunlap or, you know, I think the other two guys that are probably comparable are like an Alden Smith or um, Ryan Kerrigan, like kind of on the older side that, could come a little bit cheaper. Um, but I mean, I mean, Carlos Dunlap is the obvious choice out of those three. And what about Jadavion? I mean, I think that's that you could lump him in like that next year, probably. Um, and it He's could be 28. Yeah. It could be a backup oh. option for him. It could be a backup option for them. I mean, it, I know that he is taking a visit to Cleveland. Not that that, ends up meaning anything but um he's he's scouting out his options so um i am shook i am shook i didn't realize he was still that young yeah dude there's still upside there but i mean oh my goodness i think he is what he what he's been at this point or or he's going to be what he is at this point yeah i don't you're not gonna suddenly pop at 28 i don't think in the nfl so um but I mean, he was a pretty good player for the Seahawks a couple of years ago, so I it, I wouldn't mind that if it's like their like last resort. But I I hope that they're making a push to get Dunlap back in the fold. Yeah, because so. I think I it, if you get Dunlap back, that completes this defensive line like that. That's a that's a solid solid rotation there. Right. Yeah. Um, if you get Dunlap back, like that's, that's probably a top five rotation in football. If you get, if you get Dunlap back too. Yeah. Yeah. But I'd love that. Um, I know Russell speak going back to that has yep. uh, there's some rumors that he wants Antonio Brown. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> so, so let's talk about what the, the Seahawks still need or possibly need at least to, to address. And that'll be our first topic there, Justin. So we'll get back okay. to you in just a second here. Okay. Um, so 
I think we talked about that we still still need a I think we still need a like a DE one, like a like a Leo end pass rusher, like a more of a stud pass rusher, proven pass rusher. Um I will say though, at the same time, we haven't talked at all about Alton Robinson poss- possibly taking a jump. And we have no idea what Gerald Taylor brings to the brings to the program at this point. Um, also and I, true. we know that they were really high on him coming out of the draft. He just wasn't healthy at all last year. So maybe they're higher on those guys than the fans are. And maybe they think that they have studs at those, at the, at that Leo position with those guys. But um, from an outsider's perspective right now, I think it's fair to say that we would like them to address that, that position. And I think all of us are in agreement that we want Carlos Dunlap back. I think wide receiver three might be the biggest need that I see on the team right now. A third target in that offense. I think it's something that they've lacked for, I mean, since, since Russ was picked, you know, in the third round of the 2012 draft, I don't think they've really had a true solid third wide receiver. I think they've always kind of been a two wide receiver scheme with maybe a tight end that can do some stuff. Um, and their third wide receiver has always been just kind of a guy, I think. Um, and at this point, you're probably looking at Freddie Swain as your third wide receiver. I don't like that. Yeah. Mm. So I would say that there's there's a pretty big drop off from Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. And if one of those guys gets hurt, not great, Bob. Um, <laughs> possibly another center. I'd be skeptical that they would address that in free agency at this point, but possible. I think that's more of a draft thing, possibly another cornerback. Um, we talked about how we're really high on Witherspoon, but also a guy that, that is a little bit unproven. Like he's played well at times, but he's never really been like a full-time starter um, like for a full season. So um, we'll see what happens there. Uh, possibly uh, we. Oh, I already said Leo. Okay, I mixed those up. Um, albeit though, we're. I mean, we're we're going to need to add in free agency and like before the season, just like signing guys in general, because we only have three draft picks. Like, obviously, there's undrafted free agency and stuff like that too. And I bet that we make a lot of those types of signings this year, especially, but with so little draft capital and I bet they end up with like, you know, five picks probably at, when it's all said and done, but with so little draft capital, I mean, you need to add guys like you, you, you've lost a decent amount as far as just bodies. So just bodies alone, you're going to need to add in free agency, but let's start with wide receiver three. Like you were talking about Justin and yeah, Justin, why don't you go ahead and continue your comment about about who Russell has been pounding the table for, according to reports? Yeah, not just recently. I mean, there were rumors last year that the Seahawks or mm-hmm. specifically Russell Wilson wanted to sign him, but Antonio Brown, Connor, and Sam, I wouldn't like that signing for a lot of reasons, but I just, you know, as a football player, it's probably okay, but there's a lot, I don't know. I don't know if I like Antonio Brown or if we want him in the locker room and if that would last and et cetera. So Percy Harvin point two. Yeah. Two point. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not sure about that one, but there are other, 
you know, other people on the market. I don't think Golden Tate is happening. No, uh, probably not. Why not, Justin? Let's just say they had a little falling out. Um, Who's they? Russell Wilson and they Golden fall Tate. out or fall in. Oh well, oh, bada-bing, bada-boom. <laughs> unconfirmed, but uh, yeah, they don't Alleged. get along. Allegedly, Alleged, yeah. <laughs> let's just say Golden Tate has thrown some shade on Russell too in interviews. That's fair. Such, That's uh, fair. Where he just talks about quarterbacks he's played with, and it's always Stafford, and like he goes back mm-hmm. to college or something for the next best quarterback he's played with. So he's going to end up on the Rams for sure. He's going to end up on the Rams. Watch this. I mean, the Rams have lost so many players, so whatever. Yeah. Um, there's Sammy Watkins, which I think would be okay. Um, I don't think I would hate or love that. Uh, Marquise Goodwin would be interesting, but I'm not sure if he'd be a good slot guy or Tyler would move into the slot, et cetera. Right. Uh, one name I've heard thrown out there a little bit, which I'm wondering what you guys would feel about that, is Corderell Patterson, um, who's more of a gadget player, but I'm wondering what we could I was surprised how young he was. Yeah, uh, still. With the play calling, still. if we do have inventive play calling, what could that open up? And then, you know, he could be a kick returner too. But what do you guys think of that one? I think I'd feel pretty similarly to Sammy Watkins. I think Sammy Watkins is a more polished and likely a more productive receiver, but they both kind of can provide you that same element to the game, both in return game and being wide receiver three. I wouldn't, I wouldn't hate that. I like Corderell. I think he is an exciting player. I haven't followed him recently, so I don't know what his last year or two have looked like, but coming out of college in his first couple of years in the league, he was an electric player and I'd be happy with that. I wouldn't hate it. I wouldn't love it. Um, Let me throw another name out there and then get your thoughts on both of them, Connor. Mm. The other person that I think is flying under the radar because he opted out of the COVID 2020 season is a former USC Trojan Marquise Lee. Mm, yeah. He had a cut two really good years in Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. I think he ended up getting hurt. Yeah. He struggled with injuries. I think the past few years he had an injury and then he signed with new England and opted out for the last season. Mm-hmm. So he's had some rest. Hopefully he's been able to get his body right. But if he's on, Talking about a young and electric player, I think he could do some really interesting things if he's got his body right and he's bought in. Um, I think he, if I look up and down the list of available wide receivers, he's probably the one that stands out to me in terms of bringing some raw athleticism and electro, you know, electrifying plays to the team. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't hate that name. Um, you'd certainly be taking a flyer, I think, if you if you signed him. Um, I'll go back to Sammy Watkins real quick. The one, the one thing that Sammy Watkins would have going for him, and given I don't think we've been tied to him at all at this point, so I wouldn't really expect that signing, but he has played in the Rams offense before. True. So a little bit of familiarity there, and – I, I don't discount that just because I think this offense is going to look a decent amount different than what we've seen in the past is my, is my inclination. I think it's just going to be a lot more quick game and all that stuff. Um, and like you said, Justin, I mean, given that it's going to be a lot of that quick game, like misdirection play design type, type stuff, 
a playmaker like Corderell Patterson might actually fit pretty well into the offense. He's definitely lost a step and he's, he's 30 years old now. So he's not, I don't think he's as electric as Sam said um, uh, uh, anymore, but um, you know, I I think, I think there could be some upside there. And if, if they end up signing him, I'd, I'd be excited about that signing. I, I, I would think that if they're signing him, that they have obviously some plans in the offensive scheme for, for a player like him. Um, but talking a little bit more about, yeah, Marquise Lee, I mean. It's a risky, that, it would be risky for sure. That's the but, high risk. That's the high risk, high yeah. reward one. Right. Yeah. Um, and I don't, I don't, I mean, he obviously opted out. So I don't, what would you have to pay for him? Like what, what was he making in new England? Do you know or what was um, he going to make in new England? I don't know. Um, let me see. I thought I just saw it. One-year contract, one so million dollars. Oh, so it was a prove-it type deal. I mean, if you yeah. sign him for that, sure. I but, mean, I'd rather I mean, take look, a flyer on him than you know whoever we have at wide receiver. Freddie Swain and Freddie John Ursua and Kenny Hart. Like, yeah. I mean, that's that's your five deep. Have. That's your five deep. You might even have to sign two guys. So yeah, add him to the mix. Sure. Like, I mean, that's that's your upside signing. And at worst, he's probably your wide receiver four. Yeah. So yeah, I that's a good name, Sam. I like that a lot. Oh, sweet. Thanks, Connor. <laughs> <laughs> um did you guys want to address any of these? I cornerback, I guess, is the other one that we probably have to address. Yeah. Um, just because of the names that are still out there and one in particular, but I'll, I'll just start by saying they could re-sign Quinton Dunbar. And I think the probability of that is pretty high. I think at this point, I yeah. think it'd probably be pretty I much agree. a vet, pretty much a one year vet minimum deal. And the upside is that he starts for you probably um, yep. if he's, if he's healthy. So the, knee injuries you just never know and it they they called it a chronic knee injury so that just doesn't bode a lot of confidence in me with him but yeah i mean a one-year vet minimum deal and that type of thing would be done i think after the draft at this point like i don't think that that's going to happen super soon but i would be i wouldn't be surprised if they if they bring back quentin dunbar but you alluded to it a little bit earlier and uh, the the name being tossed around in the rumors right now and apparently he's open to coming back to seattle is richard sherman and i want to know both of your guys's thoughts on richard obviously the idea of richard sherman coming back he's obviously what going on 33 years old so he's he's definitely lost a step he's struggled with injuries two of the past three years really three of the past four years honestly um, but that one year that he didn't, he was a pro bowler. So you know that he can still do it. Um, obviously with a guy like Witherspoon in the fold and some other young corners here, such as like a Marquise Blair, um, you know, kind of the, the mentorship that he could maybe provide, um, I think could be valuable, but I mean, is the money going to be right? Like, is that where you want to allocate some, like, you know, I mean, you're probably spending at least four or five million, even if it's just a one-year deal 
on Richard Sherman. Um, and I think that's, that, that might even be low end. So, um, what are you guys' thoughts? And, and do you think that it's, it's a likelihood type of thing to happen? I'd be open to it. I mean, he has a house and his family lives in Maple Valley, Washington. So yeah. I think he's open to it for those reasons too. And coming back and working with players, he has really high praise for Witherspoon. I think that you see that all over social media and comments he's made last year. Um, likelihood. I don't think it's going to happen because I think he's going to look at this room and he said comments on Twitter and such of this too, on his Twitch streams on call of duty. Um, that he thinks the Seahawks are in really good hands with the DBs that they have with DJ Reed, with, um, with, oh my God, Witherspoon. And so I think he's looking elsewhere first to see, can he still play mm-hmm. and be a guaranteed starter? Because I don't think he wants to come back here and realize in week two or week three or whatever it may be that he's going to be sitting on the bench because I think he has a little bit of ego and wants to play. And play for a good of course. team. I think he's shopping around and looking elsewhere first, and Seattle would be a backup option. So I think he's obviously open to it, but I think it's probably a low likelihood. And to add to this, he is his own agent. He represents himself. Mm-hmm. So um, just that obviously adds to the mix as far as the complexity of this. So Sam? yeah, my heart says yes. My head says no. I think it would be a cool story, you know. Yeah. He was more or less the face of a franchise for the golden era. And I think he'll forever be remembered as a Seahawk. And I think any time you get a chance for those guys to come back and finish off their career with that team, I think is a really cool story and you'd love to mm-hmm. see it. But I don't think it's gonna happen for the same reasons Justin mentioned around playing time. I don't I'm not convinced that he would be you know, a mainstay with the guys that we are are already bringing in, especially if you re-sign someone like Quentin Dunbar and he's healthy. Um, The other interesting thing too, like I know he has said he's open to coming back, but he's also been pretty outspoken on all this Russell Wilson drama. Yeah. And like one of the cardinal rules of being a player in the NFL is you don't talk about another player's money. And, and uh, Sherm has been pretty outspoken complaining about how, you know, Russ has been paid. Like, how do you expect the team to invest in all these other players when you're soaking up 35 mil a year? Yeah. So I like how he put that though. I, I don't know. You're probably talking about the same interview that I saw, man. <laughs> he goes, I think, I think it was a verbatim quote that he's like, I don't know what he's making, but like 35 million a year, like the yeah, exact amount that he's actually <laughs> yeah. making. A year. It's like, oh, sure, you know what he's making. Like, you know that he's done his research on that shit. So, yeah. And he was also kind of calling Russell out, like, you know, he's blaming the offensive line. But when you look at it the past couple of years, the offensive line has been right around the middle of the league. They haven't yep. been that bad. Yep. And so I don't know if the Seahawks want to do that. I think we've, you know, for all intents and purposes, put all of our eggs in the Russell Wilson basket and, you know, don't let the door hit you on the way out Legion of boom and Marshawn and everyone else. And I think bringing someone like Sherm back into it. Yeah. Like I think he could put on and save face in the media, but in the heat of practices and the heat of the moment, 
I think Russ just rubs him the wrong way. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that we want to touch that as an organization and like bring that dynamic back. I mean, that was unless what you, all the unless you want sure unless you want Sherm to push Russ out of Seattle. Well, that'd be a great way to do it, probably. Because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was all the rumors, right? Like Sherm was the hardest on Russ. There's right. videos in practice back in the day where Sherm is just totally talking shit and everything. Yep. Picks him well, off he, and throws the ball at his helmet, like. Well, and he he was stuff. the you know anonymous source or whatever, at least widely speculated to be the anonymous source in that article that came out after the Super Bowl Forty Nine loss, like a year or two later. Yeah, yeah. Um, after he had left town, and uh, some serious shade on on Russell specifically, and like how you know Pete was trying to make him MVP and blah 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 blah. You know. Yeah, um, I just feel like Sherman Earl. Those those bridges got burnt. Yeah, I think I think, I think Earl, I think Earl more so than Sherm. I I could see Sherm having some kind of swan song here at some point. Um, he said he wants to play play two more years, so maybe he signs a one year deal this year, and then maybe he comes back here for a year. I think he's going to retire a Seahawk. Maybe it's it's just one of those one day contract type things too. Um, I don't think he's burned bridges enough with with the Seahawks organization. Yes, I think it's I more agree. with, I think it's more with Russ individually. Yeah. So I think Sherm and Cam Chancellor both will be involved in some capacity after their playing days or Cam's already kind of in this world already, but yeah. it wouldn't surprise me to see them both on Pete Carroll's staff at some point. Yeah. Or I mean, just in a future staff, if Pete Carroll retires or whatever, like, yeah. I mean, I, I could see them involved in general. Yeah. <laughs> Going back. I, I mean, how how would you feel about this if you're Russ? Like Russ is obviously like complaining about <laughs> offensive line and stuff like that, and the Seahawks organization responds by being like, "Oh, you're going to complain about the offensive line? Well, let's throw this at you, and we're signing Sherm and deal with <laughs> deal with that shit now, okay?" Yeah, uh, that'd be pretty. But, I mean, obviously that 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 would become tumultuous and would be um, it'd be a hell of a storyline. But it would be a storyline. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it'd be like, like you said, Sam, it'd be a cool, cool storyline, but, um, and something I'm sure that they're going to be talking about for the next, you know, month or two until Sherm signs somewhere. But, um, I, I'd, I'd be probably pretty doubtful at this point that it would happen. Um, but it could, it could, I wouldn't, I, I definitely wouldn't rule it out. Um, it just depends on, on, I mean, I think, I think if they're, they're going to pay him the money that I was talking about earlier, I think they're thinking that he's probably going to be a starter. Um, but um, if it gets to the point that he's signing a vet minimum deal, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Um, I think that's probably most of what we probably had to talk about as far as Seahawks stuff specifically. Um, if you're Russell Wilson, what do you think? Like, I guess let me phrase it this way. Why do you think he's changed his tune a little bit at this point? Um, as far as like Justin, you were saying earlier, he's been really quiet, like most of the off season since the Super Bowl, as far as social media stuff, especially as it pertains to like Seahawks and stuff. But he's posted some videos about like, I mean, he he's obviously like done a bunch of liking and retweets of all the signings and stuff the Seahawks have made, but he's also posted like some videos of like, he's got like some kind of flag football league that's going to be happening in Seattle. Um, And he ended that with go Hawks and stuff like that. Like he's kind of gone 
a little bit more back to like pro Seahawks for us. Do you think that that's because of the signings? Do you think that it's because like he was bluffing the whole time and like it's didn't work? <laughs> He's realizing <laughs> that now. Um, do you think that he realized that maybe he was out of line and wrong? Like, what do you, what are you guys' thoughts on on that in general? Justin, you're already shaking your head, so go ahead. Uh, I don't think it's because he thought he was out of line for okay. sure. Um, I think he feels that whatever it is his concerns are, the Seahawks have heard them and they're trying to address them, whether they are actually okay. fundamentally Fair. or not. And so I think he's feeling that his voice is heard. He likes the direction or for what he's been told. There are reports from Seahawks insiders that Pete Carroll has heard him and is trying to work with him and that ongoing conversations have been positive. So I think he's getting the feeling that the Seahawks are trying to address some of his concerns, whether, you know, they're actually getting the players they want is another thing, but they're, they're going actively recruiting and trying to get better in the positions that he's mm-hmm. wanting to get better at. Yeah. I mean, it's it, the reality of the situation. You're not going to get everyone that you want, right? Of course. So, yeah. Like you. And he's but, taking up a big chunk of cap space too. Yeah. So it makes that harder, but yeah, it does seem like the effort is there. It's a good point. Sam. Yeah, I same thing. I also think there's an element there too, like the trades just didn't come to fruition. I think the writing's on the wall that he's going to be playing with this team yeah. in 2021. He's already shit on the offensive line enough to like put his <laughs> life in danger. So I think he's like, all right, well, if I do want to play somewhere else and I still want to have my face. legs. <laughs> maybe I should uh, tone this shit down for a minute and try to get back in the good graces of the team. That's going to be protecting me and playing with me. And yeah, this is the whole thing that I'm, I've been, I mean, I, I think about this daily come OTAs and like the first press conference that Russ has, like, what is that going to be like? What, what, I mean, you know, he's getting all these questions. Like they're not going to go away just because he's like, you know, acting all fun and happy now. Like, Obviously, the national media is trying to keep this story alive that he could still get traded this, <laughs> yeah, of course. this offseason. Um, I think that pretty much all the local media is like, yeah, it's not happening at this point. Um, it, I mean, it makes no sense as far as the, what, what they've done this offseason for them to trade Russell Wilson at this point. But, um, I, I mean, Russ has dug himself quite a grave as far as like what he's going to come back to, I feel like, once he enters the building again especially from the media standpoint. And I'm sure he's just going to like try to play it off, you know, with the robotic euphemisms and the cliches and all that shit. But I mean, the the questions are going to come hot and heavy and he's going to be asked some tough questions. And how is he going to respond to that stuff? You know, like I, I feel like Russ has always been put on a pedestal in this, in this town in this city for being, you know, kind of Mr. Perfect. And, um, he can do no wrong and not just media, but like, like how are fans viewing Russell Wilson right now? Like if he throws like two or three picks in the first game, like how can you imagine like the outrage that is going to come from a lot of this fan base? I mean, I think a lot of this fan base is on the side of the Seahawks. Like, sure. They, yes. they, they realize Russell Wilson's concerns. And I think that they, they feel the same way as far as like the offensive line being addressed. I don't think they're happy at all about how Russell came out with the comments. 
And I don't think that they're happy at all at the timing of the comments because we've talked about this before on this podcast. The offensive line wasn't the biggest issue on this team last year. Uh, well, I don't know about that, but I think the plan, the, the, hold on, the fan, explain fan, your, you think that the offensive line was the biggest issue on this team last year? I think it was probably number two. I think it's close. Yeah. It's probably two. I think the defense in general is probably one. Okay. The defense in general is a pretty broad, like, stroke, I think, as far as like addressing team. Need. Like, okay. If you're talking like offensive line, like that's, I think, a in, I think in the first half of the year, D line was a huge issue. Yes. Right. I, I don't know. And secondary. <laughs> well, okay, sure. <laughs> but yes. but yeah, <laughs> prioritize, right? Uh, I think in the second half, I think you have coaching. I think you have yep. offensive line and you have Russell Wilson in whatever order you want to put those in. I think you and can make I'd, an argument. I'd, I'd probably put Russ second. I'd probably put coaching first, Russ second, and offensive line third. I mean, you can make, you can make arguments. It's probably close. Um, But I mean, those, those are like, those are three huge things. Like, I mean, for the offensive line to be third at that point, like it's not, it's not nearly the the top priority or the top issue It's just my point. That's all I'm saying. So what I was going to say though, is that um, fans really like team loyalty. They don't really like player mobility in general, right? Because the player mobility means that players are leaving your franchise and obviously fans don't like that. And so whenever you hear a player or a player's agent come out and say like, oh, these are the four teams that I'm playing for, that doesn't sit well with fans, no matter what the player is trying to do and actually trying to leverage his position to stay with the team or to make the team better, whatever the intentions are, whenever a player, whenever a fans hear that a player is willing to play on another team, that's not going to sit well. And so, yeah, it's, it's interesting what the sentiment is going to be. I think Russ lost a lot of fans. Yeah, that's just the reality of it. It's so short term. I mean, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, no. If he I mean, those, to play those, well, it's yeah, all those fans go will away. come right back if he's an yeah. MVP this next year for sure. But I, yeah, it will. Like, I've ne- I'll never discount him as a player. I think he's a great player, but like, this whole thing is not going to sit well with me, even regardless how he plays next year just not cool it's it's the hypocritical nature of it that just drives me nuts i can't get over it yeah maybe maybe it's only one russell wilson fan that's been lost but yeah i'll always be a fan of him as a player but i just god damn it i need new balance and hawaiian t-shirt pager on the hip russell wilson (laughs) back i don't like this gq russ i don't need that if he had just taken a little bit more accountability yeah the second half struggles on offense, I think that you'd see a lot of, of, of different reaction to yeah. his comments. Here's another difference. What if he said, I'm totally in on this team. Like we need to be all be better myself right. included. I think I've been around in the league. I've seen a lot of things. I'd love to be able to like voice my opinions and voice my concerns and have some input into the situation. Like that's one way to say it. The other way to say it is like, pounding your fists and kicking your legs oh i want to have some 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 skin in these in the game of these decisions and like, i'm i'm russell wilson i need oh i need to make some it's i need crazy. to be able but to make, make it's trade. like that it's like that nfl bad lip reading with jim harbaugh i want cake now yeah <laughs> i want cake now like that's how it came across i think there's a yeah. way to say it that's reasonable 
I don't think anybody would sit here and say it's unreasonable for Russell Wilson to feel like he should have some sort of skin in the game when it comes to putting the team together or offensive coordinator search. Like, obviously, you have your franchise, you know, once in a generation talent QB. I think that makes a lot of sense. It's just the way that he said it, the way that it, or maybe not he, him himself, but like team three or whatever you want to call his posse of people say yep. it. It's just Russell like, Wilson's camp. You're probably Wilson. right. I mean, we don't know what advice he was be, being given to your point. And maybe he had tried he advice from Mark Rogers and his wife. So <laughs> <laughs> they're like, go get yours, son. Like 35 million else. who? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, we don't know what advice. And then at the same time, we don't know what he tried to do internally first, if at all, right? Sure. Probably, we're probably right. And Sam's probably right. But we don't know. Ooh. I mean, there's there's frustration there for sure. And I mean, the second half of the year, because of a lot of reasons, was just, I mean, it wasn't the Russell Wilson that we had saw at all in the past year and a half plus, right? Mm-hmm. How he played. So there's something happened, right? And so he didn't like it. He voiced his frustrations. He wanted to be Tom Brady, stormed out of a meeting, whatever it was me, right? So uh, we don't know, but at the same time, it doesn't look good, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I think to your point too, Sam, and you've talked about this before, uh, him putting his him his legacy or his, his, his name in general in the same breath as Tom Brady or LeBron Ridiculous. James is a fucking joke. Like, yeah, that's pretty bad. You have you have been to two championships, one one, all on your goddamn rookie year, and your defense carried the the ass load of that. Yeah, the rookie contract for sure. Yeah. Like, what have you done since you got paid? You've won two playoff games. You're basically like a poor man's Aaron Rodgers or Drew Brees at this point. Good players, but not in the same, same breath. Same. Yeah. Same, not- same. Aaron Rodgers has only been to one Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, and so, he's also he's also won an MVP. So you're lesser than him, though. That's true. Like as a player, has Drew Brees won an MVP? Probably. Probably. I yeah. think so. I mean, he's thrown for a bazillion touchdowns. <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> at the same time, right. I mean, it, different offenses, sure. But yeah. like at the like, Russ is he has never put a team on his shoulders and uh, gone to like an NFC Championship type game before. So. Nope. nope. It, it prove it dude like prove that you're worth that if if that's how you want to talk also just be good at math like in order to meet tom brady's you know status he's probably russ has probably got maybe 10 years of football left maybe mm-hmm. a little bit more mm-hmm. he would have to win a super bowl every other yeah. year yeah and then some yeah like well, Tom Brady's probably going to win the next two anyway. So you're probably like, it's not going to happen. It's not going to work. Yeah. You're going to live a life of sorrow trying to chase that ghost. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I think we all agree that Russell Wilson is a great player. Like he's, and on his day, he's a top three to five QB, probably if he's, he's playing at his peak level. Yeah. If he's playing at his peak level, he's probably the best. Yeah. But I mean, he has never done that for a full year. Like he's always had, you know, a four game stretch at least where he's played like absolute shit. So prove it, dude. Get... Trade him. <laughs> I'm not no. saying trade him. I'm not no. saying trade him. <laughs> not saying trade him. But I mean, him talking like this, I think is just, 
like outrageous. So there's just no place for it. Go Hawks. Um, <laughs> dogs and free agency. I think this is a good segue as far as uh, not really from the Russell Wilson <laughs> talk, <laughs> but just like NFL talk to some Husky talk yeah. here. And we'll talk some NFL dogs that are in free agency right now, currently, and some of them that have uh, that were in free agency that have have signed deals. And let's start with Kevin King, um, someone that was going to uh, possibly be. I mean, I mean, someone that we were talking about possibly being interested in as from a Seahawks perspective. He is going to stay with the Packers, kind of on a one-year prove-it deal. Um, so I, I mean, I really hope that he has a better year because I, not only, I, I think he struggled for the most part this year, but really struggled in that NFC championship game against yeah. Tampa Bay. And that's, that's the lasting impression that a lot of the Packer fans I think have of him right now is him mm-hmm. getting beat on that late touchdown in the first half. And I mean, he, he played awful in that game. Yeah. Um, so, it, but we know that he's a quality player and he's, he's played well before in the NFL. Like he, oh, he's yeah. had good years. So he's had good games, even this past season. And right. He had been dealing with some nagging injuries all year long. So that's yep. a component of it. I think sure. he'll figure it out. He's a good player. Yeah. So hopefully, hopefully things work out for him. Hopefully not too well. Cause I don't really like the Packers, but yeah. Um, obviously rooting for, for Kevin um Sidney Jones another guy that I was possibly interested in before we signed Witherspoon um just as kind of like a depth guy which someone that we haven't mentioned before we get into Sydney is that we have um what's his face Jordan Miller still in the fold yeah I think that he could talk about someone who fits the system we're yep. talking about Witherspoon being a longer physical corner Yep. Jordan Miller fits that mold too. Yep. And he was, he, he got signed to the practice squad in the middle or late last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, still, still, I believe on the roster um, in some, some spectrum. So look out for his name. And if they have a true preseason, like, and he balls out, like I would not be shocked if he ends up in that cornerback depth there. Yeah. So, um, so someone high, to keep your eye high on. High upside practice squad guy for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's I, I, honestly, I, I, I liken him a lot to like Jermaine curse a little bit. Like obviously he was drafted and stuff and kind of like struck out with Atlanta, mm-hmm. but a guy that, like you said, fits the system. Well, and has a huge, huge upside. And yep. obviously a practice squad player right now, but I could see him being an every down player at some point if he, if things go his way. So, but anyway, Sidney Jones also staying with his team last year, which was the Jags. So he'll be, probably playing a little bit of nickel in the same defense as Shaquille Griffin, which will be kind of interesting next year. And we'll see what the Jags Jags bring to the table with, I mean, it, entire entirely new revamped everything down there as far as, you know, Urban yeah. Meyer's taken over. They're going to have Trevor or yeah, no, not Trevor Lawrence. They're the second pick, right? Or no, they're, they're no, the, first, they're the pick. first pick. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Trevor Lawrence is going to be in town. Um, so, I mean, exciting things going on probably in Jacksonville probably kind of an attractive place for some of these free agents to go because I think there's a lot of upside and urban Meyer brings kind of a college like atmosphere, obviously to, to the NFL, kind of like Pete Carroll 10 years ago. Um, Desmond Trufant, you know, one of our mainstays, one of the guys that we watched in college, all of us, 
um, sign with the bears. And again, another guy that I was kind of hoping the Seahawks might, might keep tabs on, but ends up going to the bears, um, to Chicago. How do you see him like lining up in that defense? I mean, I think he's probably going to start, but we'll see. Yeah. My guess is if he's healthy, he's, he's going to be starting. Yeah. He was Out, starting for outside. Detroit when he was healthy, right? Like yes. When yeah. he was healthy, he was starting. So yeah. hopefully he can actually stay healthy this year. That, that was obviously the biggest thing with him last year was just health. So he's still, I don't know, he's probably 30 or something like that now. Yeah. I think he was around our, our year. Might be one year younger, might be 29, but um, definitely on kind of the latter half of his career, but still, still a good player. So 31. Oh, he's 31. Okay. Other side. My bad. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, good player. Hopefully he sticks on with the bears and can, can make some noise this year. And obviously, I mean, it, you're going to sense a theme here that Sam and I have talked about basically all these guys possibly coming to the Seahawks because <laughs> we're a little bit biased here. Maybe but, a smidge. Yeah. John Ross is teaming up with Dante Pettis uh, with the giants. So and they also just signed Kenny Galladay. So, that I mean, that's a three-wide receiver tandem with some major upside. Yeah. But, um, obviously, I mean, John Ross and Pettis haven't done much in the NFL. So, from an outsider's perspective, that's probably not like a super, super exciting, super formidable <laughs> wide receiver group. For, but for ASCII fan, it it looks it looks fun. I mean, that John Ross and Pettis were obviously the the main wide receivers whenever we went to the, the final four of the Peach Bowl against Alabama. So, um, just some good memories and obviously cool to see them teaming back up again. I know that my father-in-law Grant is a big Giants fan. I've been giving him kind of the lowdown on both John Ross and Dante Pettis and obviously excited to see them back together again, but also said they haven't really done much in the NFL. So I don't know what to expect from them, but there's some upside there. I'm one of the things that I was thinking about earlier today was I'm surprised that Dante hasn't gotten more looks as a punt returner in the league. Oh yeah, for sure. I don't understand that. He he was in San Francisco, I think, his first year and maybe his second year, but not really since. Didn't he muff a couple punts in San Did Francisco? He? Probably not do well, which is why they yanked him. I'm not, I'm not yeah. positive, but I remember him. Something happened because he was in San yeah. Francisco. I know he was his his rookie year for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he gets a chance with the Giants. I mean, he he just signed or he got traded there. I think last year. I think he signed there. I think he, signed, he got, he got cut. cut by the Niners, yeah. and then he signed with yeah the Giants. And he he ended up playing a couple of games with them. So yeah, we'll he had a couple happens. of nice touchdowns. I think. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we'll Towards see what the happens the season. there. Um, as far as unsigned guys, I I don't I couldn't find any anyone else that had signed anywhere in free agency. I. I mean, there's a lot of dogs in the NFL, but not all of them are free agents. So um, as far as unsigned guys, wide receiver Jadon Mickens, Super Bowl champion Jadon Mickens. Hmm. Um, Ran maybe, into some trouble. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if he's going to get signed, uh, at least not in the immediate. Probably be like a – he might be a training camp body at some point. Yeah. Um, I could see that, but he's really going to have to prove himself. Why don't you go a little bit more into detail on the trouble that he got into? Yeah. So basically 
what we know right now is that he got pulled over for some sort of traffic stop. I think it was tinted windows, like something yep. super. It was yeah, ticky tacky. Got pulled over because his you know front windows were tinted too dark or whatever, and somehow within that interaction with the police officer whether it's really unclear how it came to be but somehow they found out that he had a loaded weapon in the car and you know every state has different firearm regulations but it's not illegal to have a gun in the car but it's illegal to have a loaded gun in the car if you don't have a concealed permit so what i think likely happened was he got pulled over for tinted windows. He probably had a loaded gun on this on the seat or something and kind of got caught in hot water. It's a felony charge, so it's going to scare some teams away for sure. Yeah. It's kind of like – it's not like – a if that's what happened, it's not like a – I if I was a GM, it wouldn't scare me away from a character issue. It's like that's just a dumb mistake to have a loaded gun there and not unload it before you get in the car, but – I don't know. It's kind of a bummer. You know, you come off of a really good season for him, started to feel like he was building some momentum and then he get popped for something like that. And yeah. And he was such it, a cool story too. Like, I mean, obviously yeah. it bounced around practice squads, like for a few living teams, in his car, living in his car. Yeah. I mean, he had, he had, a, he had an excellent interview with um, softy and Dick Fane. Um, I think it was like last month or something like that. It was like a couple of weeks before this, this all happened um so yeah just kind of too bad um that that he got kind of on the wrong side of the law there but yeah we'll see hopefully we'll see he what, lands somewhere yeah we'll see what happens he's he's a good kid um i don't i don't think it's a huge knock on his character or anything like that it's just i mean for felony is gonna scare people away but you know in comparison to other felonies that could be committed sure forgetting to pull a clip out of your pistols like pretty low on the list yeah yeah and it's probably something as simple as that like yeah. right like he just forgot that it was loaded so um or anyway. he just didn't know sure like yeah, every maybe. state has different rules sure yeah that's i mean that's probably true as well um moving on though wide receiver marvin hall guy that played for the lions last year and actually had some decent games for them um so he's he's kind of he was he's always been kind of a deep ball threat his speed has always kind of been his biggest weapon and he's also starting to get up there in age. So he's probably slowed down a bit. Again, I see probably a camp body type thing. I don't think he's yeah. probably going to sign before much, much earlier than like training camp, I would say at this point. Um, but we'll see. And then rounding out the list, defensive tackle, Danny Shelton. And this is another guy that I, Seahawks, might be interested in depending on the money i don't know we'll see um obviously a really really good run defender um and we, when he's playing well he's probably a top you know 20 or 30 run defender in the league oh um, yeah and had it had an okay year for for the lions last year kind of struggled with some injuries as well but um We'll see. We'll see what he was. He was kind of cut as a cap casualty. I think he'll probably be like a two million dollar a year player, is my guess, yeah. and someone that will sign somewhere. I think yes. before the draft, probably in the next few weeks, is my guess. Ne even like the next week or two, he'll probably catch on somewhere. 
Um, but I wouldn't mind the the Huskies taking a flyer, or sorry, <laughs> Seahawks take <laughs> the Seahawks taking a flyer on him. I'm in Husky mode. Uh, the Seahawks taking a flyer on him um, just to bring in some defensive tackle depth. And for a guy making, you know, 2 million a year, I think depth, depth would be fine there. So. Yeah, I agree. Speaking of Huskies. Yeah. Let's talk some transfer portal updates. Oh boy. It's been a minute. It has. Yeah. And we meant to get to this last episode, but we were just, you know, trying to cover all the sports and it's kind of tough to hit, to cover that in less than two hours. So we're trying to keep these under two hours. And some of that news hadn't landed yet. So now we can actually true. talk about it. It's, it's true. Official. Yeah. And there might be even yet more news coming, but we just don't know what that is yet. So yeah. anyway, that'll just be kind of your teaser for, for t- tonight. But yeah, I mean, I, I, obviously the, the biggest news is that Puka Nakua is transferring out or has transferred out, I should say. And he's going back to BYU. Sam, I know that you know a lot more as far as the background of this. And there was a lot of speculation back in like December, early January that this could happen. Um, and so much so that uh, the wide receiver coach, can't remember his name. Junior Adams. Junior Adams flew out to Utah when uh, Puka was back home with his family to try to convince him to come back to Seattle. Um, And he did. And then um, I think things kind of changed even more, uh, you know, the past like month or month or month or month and a half. But Sam, why don't you go a little bit more into detail on kind of the Puka Nakua situation and kind of why he, why he's transferring to BYU. Yeah. I think there's a couple of things at play here. Um, it really, this is an example of like someone truly transferring due to family reasons and their legitimate family reasons. He wants to be closer to home. I forget if it's his mom or his grandma. I think that there's, you know, some health issues within the family and he wanted to be close to be able to help out around home. And it's really a transfer that, you know, you kind of remove the player and production out of the equation that you kind of feel good about. He made it really obvious that this wasn't a decision he made lightly. You know, he came back from break and tried to give it a go in Seattle Mm -hmm. and it just ultimately wasn't going to work out. And you really felt for the kid in the sense that it really came across that he didn't want to leave. And he really did enjoy being at UW and being part of Husky nation and, wanted to finish out his career here but you know at the end of the day family is more important than football and you know a lot of a lot of times these kids go into the transfer portal and they say oh yeah I'm transferring for like family reasons and then you know instead of instead of ending up back in Utah they end up at Alabama <laughs> all a Cajo <laughs> that's a story and it's, it's not right. it's not directed at anyone in particular no not at all uh, and then the other element here too, and I think it might, you know, some of it you might be able to imply just how serious the family situation is with the sense that his older brother, Samson Nakua, has been at the University of Utah, which is 45 minutes away from where they grew up in Orem, Utah. Mm-hmm. And even his older brother is transferring out of University of Utah to go play at BYU and Provo, yep. which is a 10 minute drive to BYU campus from the area that they live in. 
So they're so, both living at home is my so guess, I, right? My, yeah. I think they're both living at home would be my guess. Mm-hmm. And that there's something going on within the family where they just need to be at home right now. Mm-hmm. And so I think with all of that being considered, like, yeah, Puka was, you know, a tantalizing talent and, you know, never really lived up to the hype here. I mean, he had a couple of really great plays, couldn't stay healthy, got COVID this past season. And so I think there's a lot of people pressing the panic button, like, Oh, that's someone you can't afford to lose. Like, yeah, it sucks to lose someone that talented, but what production have we lost? Like two or three touchdowns over 15 games. It's really not as detrimental as I think some have cracked it out to be. And he's had six, he's had 16 receptions in his college career. Yeah. Over probably 16 games. Yeah. So, and I don't say that to drag his name through the mud or anything. I think he's a really good player, but for one reason or another injuries, COVID, you know, getting a slow start in his freshman year kind of play into that. And I think I feel really confident with the receivers we have coming up, Jalen McMillan, Roma Dunze. Yep. So, yeah, it's, it's their time to step up now at this point. Right. Like, I mean, you're going to, you're going to need Romo and Dunze and Jalen McMillan and um, Jalen Polk right away. Yep. It's got to make an impact as far as a transfer coming in. So um, this is just, I mean, this is just the new name of the game as far as like, this is obviously kind of extenuating circumstances for this particular player, I think, but this is the new name of the game. You're going to have players going in and out of the portal. And um, I think for the most part, Jimmy Lake has played this pretty well as far as the transfer portal itself. Um, Yeah. He's done really well. I mean, people aren't used to, having these higher profile players transfer out of the yep. program. And so I think there's a lot of people pulling the, the fire alarms on it a little bit with the fact that we've seen six guys transfer out this off season, but mm. you look around the conference, you look around the country, six transfers is below average. Well, Most teams have upwards of 10 transfers out at least. Yeah. And this is the free year, right? As far as because of COVID happened, yeah this is the year that everyone's taking advantage of that rule. So you're going to see more transfers just in general. And I think um, there's likely more to come as well. Yep. Yep. But I mean, it, Puka leaving, does that mean that like you were saying, I, you were kind of alluding to there, we've expect, expected some attrition in the wide receiver room probably before fall camp at some point. And mainly those names being Austin Osborne and Marquis Spiker. Does it maybe think, do one of those guys maybe think about, you know, Oh, maybe I will stay. I I think more so probably Spiker than Osborne at this point, Mm -hmm. but um, it does, it does make you kind of pause and maybe, I mean, I hope that at least one of those guys stays at this point, because otherwise you're talking about a lot of attrition in that wide receiver room and you're relying upon a lot of young guys to fill roles. So. Yeah. I think it definitely impacts the way that they're thinking about it. I think, at this point, you're going to see both of them complete spring ball and see how things yep. kind of feel and shake out in terms of the pecking order in the wide receiver room. But I wouldn't be surprised if both of them are on game day rosters yeah. in the fall. Yeah, especially Marquise. I think I think I think there's still upside with Marquise Biker. Yeah, 
Um, I think he just wasn't healthy last year is the, th is the main thing. So Justin, any thoughts on Puka Nakua? I know we haven't, we've been kind of going back and forth being Sam with our Husky talk, but I want to bring you in here. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think the Huskies will be okay without him. Like you guys were saying, I think it was a little surprising as you know, I'm not as close with the program as you guys are when it was announced, but yeah. I don't know. I just, I just want us to beat Michigan. And so whatever team <laughs> that's going to get us out there to beat Michigan, as that's so important for the Huskies in this conference is what I want. So we can beat Michigan without Puka Nakua. That's Absolutely. Right. And we will. I'll tell you that. And when we I, will. In right. Ann Arbor too. It's going to be great. Um, what I'm interested in is, a, is really what I've talked to you guys about is the quarterback coming in for the Huskies that I'm super jazzed about. I've watched a lot of highlight videos, which I don't normally do for high schoolers. That's more of a um, Sam thing when I lived with him. <laughs> um, but uh, I'm pretty excited about this kid. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Yeah. And he shares Sam, Sam's, Sam's na namesake. So yeah, good, good kid, Sam Heward. Oh, yeah. We got to talk about him in a minute, but we got one more transfer in that we finally get to talk about. Yep. Brandon Radley Hiles. Buki. Goes by a way better name than that. Nickname is Buki, baby. Buki. And this kid thumps. He is nasty. He's mean. Badass. And he will cheap shot you. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> He's like Brandon Browner 2.0, but way smaller. Way smaller. But anyway, he's a transfer in from Oklahoma. I think he'll have two years to play, I believe. He's a grad yeah. transfer, so he's guaranteed immediate eligibility anyways. Mm -hmm. um, he's been playing in the nickel for them. He was a five-star cornerback out of Southern California. I think he played his final year in, of At high IMG. school at img in florida which is mm -hmm. just like a football factory right um but uh super talented very aggressive player i think mm -hmm. he'll add a lot of swagger immediately to the death row defense and i think of all of the the additions we've made to the roster via transfer portal this is by far and away the most exciting one this is the one with the most upside for sure yes Immediate um, impact in my mind. Yeah. I mean, this guy's in, he has the upside of an NFL starting nickel. Yes. Um, so you're looking at basically another Elijah Molden here as far as like upside too. Um, but even kind of more of a nasty streak, maybe not quite as like, I don't know. Polished isn't the right word. Cause he's still a decently polished player, but like he I'd just say has, he has an Elijah extra edge to him. Yeah, like Elijah was super, super good. Never made any mistakes. Yeah, and what you're going to get Bradley Bowles is going to is definitely going to make some mistakes. I think you're going to get yeah. more volatility. Like Buki's yeah. big, big plays that he makes are going to be more like electrifying and right. stand out a little bit more than anything Molden did. But he's also going to do some really dumb shit on the football <laughs> field. But I'm willing to take that. We need some edge on this defense, and he's going to bring it in spades for sure. Yeah, we lacked it last year. And this, the one thing that this does, Sam, is this – I mean, this gives us such a unique opportunity in this secondary as far as just like – they have so many things that they could do now. Like there, there are so many options here, and they could yeah. move guys around – we've talked about some of the younger guys that we're excited about in the secondary, but I mean, 
it one it makes you wonder. I mean, I think the the most obvious thing is is he's going to compete at nickel corner with Kyler Gordon. Basically, is is yeah. what he's being brought in to do at face value. But I think you're going to really have a really hard time at keeping both those guys off the field. So it's just whoever wins that position doesn't necessarily mean that they're not going to start on this defense. It just means they're probably starting on a di- at a different position. So yeah, if Brendan Radley Hiles Buki wins the job. I think you're seeing Kyler Gordon probably slide outside and be outside corner because he's done that before. Um, he could also slide back to safety. We've talked about that obviously a lot, but I think they're yep. probably more apt to slide him outside is the, at least the vibe that I've gotten from both the Dogman guys and the coaches. Um, and then if you see Kyler Gordon win the job, then you probably probably see Buki move back to safety and kind of almost like a miles Bryant safety type role. Um, that is kind of like a, not really a box safety, but like a safety that definitely comes up to the ball a little bit more and is a little bit more aggressive. Um, so it, it creates options. It creates a lot of versatility in, in this secondary. So that that's what excites me the most, I think. And a a guy that you're going, I mean, he's going, he's going to play like he didn't come here to not play as a grad transfer. Um, and I think he also believes that I, this is DBU baby. Like this is where you come to get drafted. Um, yeah. I mean, let's look at I, our previous segment talking about even just oh, the free the agent corners, corners. Yeah. Yeah. Kevin That's King, Sidney agents. Jones, Trufant. And we're about to get another one drafted in Elijah. So, yeah. I mean, this is and probably Keith Taylor too. <laughs> and Keith, yeah, that's right. Keith Taylor too. So, I mean, that shit dude, like the, uh, this is where you come, man. This is where you come to get drafted if you're a cornerback. So Brandon Radley Hiles obviously obviously saw that. And um, I really hope this works out. And I'm excited to have this kid in here. Um, upside's tremendous. Upside is tremendous with this guy. Justin, let's go back to what you were talking about with the the true lefty. Freshman Sam Heward. And the biggest news to come out uh, with as uh, in regards to Sam specifically over the past, you know, f- few weeks is that he w- will be competing in spring practice and be present and enroll for spring quarter. So he, the, I mean, the biggest thing that Sam and I have talked about as far as like, what's going to be the biggest hurdle for Sam Heward to overcome to be able to have a chance to start day one for this Husky football team that hurdles in the past now, because the the biggest thing that we talked about was obviously whenever COVID shut down the fall season for sports in high school, it made the spring season for football. And Sam decided that he wanted to stay at Kennedy Catholic and play his senior year of football what he didn't reveal until just a couple of weeks ago is that he's only going to play up until spring quarter starts for UW so that he can enroll in time for spring practice. And that means that he's going to obviously get his hands on the playbook a lot easier, get reps in and spring super valuable reps, obviously for a young player. Um, and I think, I think it was going to be a very, very, um, uphill battle for him to be able to start day one, given the original circumstances. But now that he's in spring practice, I think, 
I think it's in the cards. I don't know what your thoughts are on it, Justin. I mean, as much as I like the other quarterbacks on the roster, watching Sam Heward uh, gets me feeling some type of way, if you know what I mean. Describe the detail. uh, Watching him throw for 400 yards and six touchdowns a game, seemingly, for Kennedy Catholic and just making it look so easy gets me pretty excited. I mean, not only does he have an arm, but he's accurate seems to have touch and he can fire a ball in there when he needs to. I mean, I was in college in the Jake Browning days, which are, I'm so thankful for. Um, but also, um, you know, he didn't have the strongest arm out there too. So getting <laughs> Sam Heward in there is pretty exciting. And I think he can do things on this offense that we haven't done in a long time. Yeah. I mean, I'm super pumped. I think I'm assuming at this point with Kevin Thompson, graduating number seven should be available and sam heward's gonna wear number seven and i think you're gonna see number seven trot out there on september 4th against montana as your starting quarterback yeah i mean we do have to we can't just shit on dylan morris this much i'm not Um, shitting on him i didn't say anything about him i'm just saying that's how good i think sam heward is sure I will say, I mean, I, I was talking about this with Justin a little bit until, until this news came out that he was going to be eligible for spring ball and enroll in at UW for spring quarter. I thought it was going to be, I mean, less than a 50% chance for sure. Like probably a 25% chance that Sam was going to start day one. I mean, he's coming into fall camp not having a college rep dude and you're thinking that he's going to start day one over dylan morris who like played pretty admirably without much off-season work here let me think um yes (laughs) i think he's that good i really do i i really like dylan morris i think he is totally a gamer and you know in a lot of ways, put the team on his back in times of need, especially those comebacks that we had. Yeah. And I think he just makes good, makes the winning plays on third downs. And so I think that I don't ever want to come across as like, you know, a doubter of Dylan Morris's abilities. I think this team has a lot of potential with Dylan Morris under center, but I very firmly believe that Sam Heward is a once in a generation talent for the Huskies to have a quarterback. I don't know the last pure elite in all facets of quarterbacking player that we've had at that position. Like, I don't know. I cannot tell you that I've ever seen a quarterback as ready to play college football at an elite level than Sam Heward is right now. Like locker was great physical talent, nowhere near where he needed to be to come in as a freshman. I mean, those teams were awful and he's still redshirted. Marcus Tuyasasopo, maybe, but he was even more of kind of like, yeah, probably Tui is like the next thing I could think of. I mean, Jake Browning started day one. Yeah, but I mean, who was he competing against? Jeff Jeff Lindquist. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like Browning was... Yeah, I guess that's true. Like Browning was definitely ready. But Sam Hewer's upside is way higher. 
Oh, for sure. I'm not, and I'm, I'm not trying to discount that at all. I'm just telling you, I mean, you had a pretty decent starter with a very limited playbook and very limited work for, with his receivers last year. Now he's had a full off season with all those guys. Right. And a full off season with, with John Donovan's full playbook. Like, I mean, talk about the cards being dealt, not in your way. Like Jimmy Lake hires a offensive coordinator He's trying to install a new offense and they don't even get to spring ball. So they have to do like a very simplified version of that offense basically. Yes. In the fall. So it's a dummy down version. I mean, I don't think you've even seen what Dylan Morris can truly do. Um, is all, is all that I'm saying. I, I, I agree yeah, with you, but I also yes, kind yes, of disagree. Think, okay. Y- yes. I think that Sam Heward would start at some point this year. I just don't, I, I didn't, I don't think that it was going to be day one. Like, do you think it might be day one now that he's coming in? I'm saying it's, I'm saying there's a way, but way higher chance now. Yes. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's going to get rep like super valuable reps in the springtime now. And he's going to be with the team or a lot of these guys all throughout summer and stuff too. Even when they're not really practicing, they can obviously go to a park and go throw the ball around or whatever. Um, so, I mean, the chemistry aspect, you know, that, that's all that I'm saying is that that was going to be the huge uphill battle for Sam Heward coming in in the fall. Yeah. And now that that's not happening and he's coming in in spring. Yes. The chances that he starts day one go up tremendously. Um, and I think it's probably a better than 50% chance now, but I, I, I wouldn't say that it's a done deal. Like, at yeah. All. And I'm probably being overly aggressive about it. I don't think it's a done deal either. I think it's entirely possible that he red shirts Yep. Like, I don't think that's outside. And I don't, I, if that happened, I don't think it would be the worst thing in the world. No, I wouldn't be pissed about it. I think it could potentially be a really good thing. I think the other aspect to consider here as well is like Sam Heward's no stranger to Husky football, given his dad and his uncle, Yep. his dad is part of the Husky football athletic department. And Sam Heward has been around this program a lot over the last two three years since he's been his whole life though (laughs) yeah i mean his whole life but i mean specifically as sure as a recruit player that's been committed you know he's coming in yeah like i don't think that this offense is as foreign to him as some might think i think he's been around enough meetings i don't know what exactly what the rules are in terms of like what coaches can and can't share with recruits in terms of playbook and whatnot Mm. but i think he's got about as big of a head start on college football as sure anybody ever has sure that's fair that's a fair comment and i will say the other the i mean the other thing that sam heward has going for him is this offense fits his game perfectly yeah as far as run the ball play action deep ball like you will not see a prettier deep ball And that's kind of the difference from what I saw with Dylan Morris. Like I think Dylan Morris is a really good player. And I agree with your general point that like, we haven't seen him with, you know, the floodgates open with the offense, but I have seen enough of his physical ability that like at points in time, he does throw a wobbly inaccurate ball. Like it still might get caught. Like think about Puka Nakua's 65 yard touchdown against Arizona. Mm Mm-hmm 
wasn't a spiral. It was no, thrown on it his was, back shoulder. Yeah, he kind of had to well turn around ball. and catch it. <laughs> I mean, it ends up, I, I'm not going to complain. Ball's caught and it's taken for a big explosive touchdown. That's great. He missed Jalen McMillan like three times in that game, deep, mm-hmm. wide open. And so Sam Heward's not missing those throws. Like mm-hmm. day one, he comes in and he's going to hit those long balls. Yep. And it's going to be really fun to watch. It's going to be super annoying because Jimmy Lake and John Donovan aren't going to say shit about the, <laughs> the quarterback battle. So we're all going to be you like, oh, I wonder who's It's going to be just started. like it was this last year. You won't yeah. know until the first snap is taken who's going to start. Yeah. So we'll talk about it all, all off season, but it's not going to mean anything until that first game. Yeah. So. If I was a betting man, which I'm not, I would bet on Sam Heward. Justin? Who would you bet on? Uh, I think Sam Heward, and I think it's a 90% chance, if not. Whoa. Higher. I like it. <laughs> you hate uh, – okay. I don't hate you I think it. Dylan Morris is good. You said it. Nope, you said it. I didn't say it. Uh, Listeners, take note. Justin Geiger hates Dylan Morris. <laughs> well, I mean – Strongly see. dislikes Dylan Morris. No. All right. Well, That's here's what the... I heard. I don't know about you. <laughs> oh man. So like it, it's kind of like if you had um what is the comparison that I can it's like if you had Jake Browning or Jeff Lindquist. Or what's a what's a really good incoming freshman college quarterback recently? Then I mean Oh, Sam Heward. Recently? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Recently? Well, sure. Jake Browning and Sam Heward. Sure. I mean, Jake Browning was a really good quarterback, and we had so many really good skill positions around him, et cetera, et cetera. But you take someone with Sam Heward's talent, and he's slotting in over Jake Browning any day of the week, right? Sure. And it's kind of the same thing with Dylan Morris. He did a f- really good job for us, given the whole every circumstance that he had to go through with COVID and the players and et cetera. But there's just no way you can say that he is a better talent than Sam Heward and would give and I us, don't think, yeah, I don't think any the Huskies the that. best chance to win across the entirety of the season. Sure. It's just, it's Montana. Just, I don't think it matters, but yeah. like, it's just whether he, it's just Montana. whether he gives us, <laughs> yeah. it's just whether he gives us the best chance to win early on in his career. That's all. Like, I, I, mean, I don't know. I want him starting against Michigan. That's all I'm going to say. That's game, a tough game two. Draw. So yeah, a tough draw is your first game in the big house. It's probably going to be packed. Second game, Montana at home. Hey, Montana is the first game. Yeah. What? Yeah. Go check the schedule, dude. I thought it was that way too, but that's no, not no, good. no. I know, but it's like, come on. It's just, oh, oh sure. All right. Fine. Not the same. I mean, we've almost lost. No, but I mean, Eastern if, before, so if he's going to if he's going to start in Ann Arbor, too. then yeah start at start him at home against montana so he can like get his feet wet yeah. right like i mean yeah or... i just i don't know that's gonna be tough even with montana experience like oh that yeah, place I, is that is no gonna doubt. be one of the premier matchups early in the season like no doubt huge national attention when i think the same the same weekend is when oregon plays ohio state so it's a huge like big 10 pac 12 match i hope week. oregon gets fucking smacked and they will they will i mean they should. i think oregon's gonna be bad 
I think like they're not going to be a good team this year. Defending Pac-12 champion Oregon Ducks. Their Holy starting shit. quarterback transferred out. Yeah, he's so. scared. He's scared. It'll it'll be very interesting. But yeah, spring ball starts April seventh, and also some big news to come out the last couple of weeks is obviously with the advancement of the vaccines and you know kind of starting to come out of a little bit of the pandemic fans are starting to be allowed in stadiums and Mariners are obviously, I think going to have like 9,000 fans for their first home stand basically is like per game for their first home stand. And then they'll see after they're back in town, if, if the regulations change at that point, but. um, Thank you, governor. Spring. Yeah. Spring, spring game. We'll have fans and I'll be there. Yeah, Sam and I have talked about possibly going. Justin, you should join if you want to, if you feel comfortable. We'll all be masked up. So I wouldn't want to make Justin feel uncomfortable. No. It's the last <laughs> thing we want. It's the last thing we want. Um, but that's exciting. And yeah, obviously if Sam and I go, we'll have tons of notes and stuff like that to to uh, bring back to you guys. But that won't be till May. So we still have a little little bit of time before that would happen. But yeah, spring ball starts on April 7th. And so Sam and I will have a lot more to talk about you betcha. When it, as, as, as it pertains to Husky football during that time. We'll see a lot of camp battles and stuff. None of this stuff is going to be determining who's going to start probably at this point, but it'll, it'll give us a nice like clue kind of into who might be playing well, what the depth chart kind of might look like going into fall camp. But fall camp is obviously where those position battles really shine. So um but I think I, I think the biggest things to watch out for are some of these these freshmen that are enrolling early and and how they perform in spring ball and what what it looks like from that aspect. So, um, that being said, I think probably our next podcast next week is going to be a Mariners preview. At least as was my idea. I don't know how you guys feel about that, Justin. I know you're kind of like meh about Mariners like up and down, but you're obviously more than welcome to join us if you want to talk some. Some, some Mariners squad and yeah I don't know I'm kind of in the same boat honestly like we've just been heartbroken one too many times and when I mean one too many times I mean like 20, 20. 20 years yeah. in a row <laughs> yeah I'm, uh, I don't know I, I don't even know if I could name all 40 men like i couldn't name a 40 well, i couldn't name all 40 men or but 25. I, I don't even know if i could name the whole starting Na- roster. name the starting lineup though that's i mean that's... yeah i'm not sure i can do that right now yeah. either yeah we'll go into it next edgar episode. martinez <laughs> ken griffey jr <laughs> brett boone yeah each year Look, brett boone. <laughs> yeah. Quick, quickly google's 1995 mariner <laughs> starting lineup. yeah dan wilson <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and randy johnson is starting okay cool got it um yeah so obviously it's been it's been rough for mariners fans but i think sam and i have alluded to that what name it marco gonzalez that pitcher yep that's your starting pitcher so if you're going so catcher's tom Tom murphy Murphy. hold on i know you know i know you okay first base evan white yep second base Yep, I'll come back. <laughs> you can do this, dude. You can do this. It's not shed long. No, we talked about him though. I think I know we did. Last I forgot episode. his name already. I'll come back to it. Shortstop is 
Oh, who's shortstop? Who's set? Um, oh, it's going to be uh, Gold I know, No, I know. Uh, Crawford, JP Crawford. Oh, yes. Yep. Third base, Kyle Seeger. Yeah. Is second base, Ty France? No, but he was competing there. Oh, okay. um, I'll come back I do to know this base. one. Left field, you're probably going to have Kellenic after two weeks is up. So his, you know, start of service is, is, you know, advantageous for the program here. <laughs> oh, uh, the center field is going to be uh, Kyle Lewis. Yep. I almost wanted to call him Adam Jones. And you know, Hopefully right we don't. And then, yeah, right fielder is going to be Hanniger. Oh, who's, wait, who's your DH? Second, DH is going to be Ty France. Yes. And second base, Lord have mercy on my soul. You're only missing Mariners. one. So that's I know. Fun. That's actually pretty good. I try to do my homework. Though I will say left field is a little bit more open of a competition. Yeah. Taylor Trammell could be there. Yeah. I think it's that's probably your day one starter is my guess. Yeah. Because Kellenick, we can't start his service. Not yet. No. Very forgettable name at second base, which is why I can't remember it. Um, do you want me to say it? Yeah. It's very close to the quarterback that we have at for the Huskies. Dylan Moore. There you go. Yay. Wow. <laughs> you gave yeah. it away, basically. Definitely yeah. didn't have that one in my mind. I'm impressed. Yeah. I did way better than I thought. No, that was good. Hell you yeah, Mariners preview next week, baby. See? We got yeah. this. <laughs> have all the faith in the world in us guys we can name the starting lineup the probable starting lineup of opening day so yeah no we'll 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 dig a little bit deeper into this and sam and i will do a little bit more research this this next week and pull out all the spring training files and hopefully have some more more hot takes to to bring to you next week in previewing the mariners roster going into opening day because we're like i think like eight eight or nine days away from opening day guys so it's getting getting exciting. Spring is coming or is here technically, I guess. But you know the weather's getting nicer. My allergies are kicking in. Yeah, I feel that. It's effing great. I love it. Cool guys. Uh, Justin, as always, why don't you just give your EPL podcast a little shout out? I mean, over the top EPL, same platforms as this one. Um, I will say Sounders news. The Gustav Svensson is not returning. And yes. and uh, Kelvin Leardam is shipped out to Miami. That's so, right. Yep. Coronavirus impacts hitting the Sounders as well. Yeah. And their schedule was actually just released today. Their, their full schedule. So mm-hmm. Almost it, all Western Conference opponents, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we can maybe delve into that a little bit more. In either the next episode yeah. or in a couple of weeks whenever we maybe do a little bit more of a sounders preview episode but yeah exciting to have some sports coming back into the fold here in the next week or two as far as like actual games being played in the seattle area so excited for that you guys have anything any other last last minute notes here before i send us off nope nope all good no. dustin cool. go hawks Go Hawks. Yeah, as always. All right, guys. Well, thanks for listening. As always, we appreciate the support. Subscribe and follow if you haven't already and leave us a message via the anchor link in our description. We really want this to become like a community type thing that we can kind of interact with our listeners. So please give us feedback and send your questions, comments, anything like that through the anchor link. Um, We also have a Twitter profile if you want to tweet us at Emerald City Fandom. So you can find us on social media that way. I'm not super great at keeping that up to date, but I will try harder and 
we'll do the best that we can here. But until next time. Go Hawks, go M's, and go Dawgs.